Dear listeners, I'm the only one with headphones right now. Sim doesn't have, he- have headphones, and uh, I'm, I have the advantage. You yes. do. All right. So- okay, we have to quickly introduce the show we have right now. So we kind of cobbled this together. We're in San Francisco doing Clusterfest, so it was tough to kind of put together a show last minute, but we do have something special. We have Ari Grainer. Who Ari is, Grainer, who is one of my dearest friends. I love her so much. We actually recorded this episode a while back, but um, and now we're able to release it. She has the most, uh, a brilliant show on Showtime called I'm Dying Up Here. and She's amazing in it. She steals it. She's such a brilliant actress. I know. Um, I'm so glad she's getting this kind of recognition. We were in What's Your Number together, and we've been uh, dear, dear friends ever since. Um... And we also have Carrie Goldberg. This is such a fascinating conversation. I really, really enjoyed this. So Carrie Goldberg is an attorney. She's a yep. She's an attorney, and I read a profile piece um, in the New Yorker. And Amy um, and Sim, you guys helped like track her down for me, and she was willing to come speak on our podcast. And we talk a lot about who she is on the episode. She specializes in online privacy and revenge porn. Really, really fascinating stuff. Yes. And just doing some amazing She's things. She's on the forefront, right, of, of like She's litigation one of the very few against that do it. revenge yeah. porn, which is amazing. Um, and finally, we have updates, caller updates. We have caller updates. Yeah. So we've been, I know you guys have been asking for them. So we have two coming up right now on this episode. And then we're working on a few more. So this is a long episode. You can you can listen to this episode over a week, really. It's like two and a half hours. So Do you, do you know why you should have headphones? <laughs> why? Because that was so loud. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. Sorry, dear no, listeners. No, it's not. You know what? It's not an episode of Unqualified if I don't give you shit. I know. By the way, you don't even know this, but on this episode, you give me a lot of shit. Oh, good. I think you do. Dear listeners, thanks for, for, uh, for, t- I, I keep, I'm wanting to say tune in, but isn't that like, yeah, no, you they old, can tune in. Isn't that like an old fashioned turn? Tune in, yeah, dear listeners. I like it. No, bring it back. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, we're off to Clusterfest. Okay, we're, yes, yeah, we're, we're off gonna to go Clusterfest. To, so you're going to hear the Clusterfest show in a couple of weeks with Hannibal, and uh, we can't wait. Thank you so much. I think we should do this again. Okay. like about you though what what do you I, like about me? i love I that you, you whenever if i ask you if you're busy or if you want to do something or whatever it is and instead of giving me an excuse you know sometimes you text me and you'll say you know what i really don't feel like it i'm tired i just want to watch netflix and hey. that is perfect <laughs> because that's exactly what i would do too i would just say you know what i'm not really feeling it right now i would much rather stay at home and binge watch tv you know what i think in the last couple years Maybe a year and a half, I've been really trying hard to just be frank, to just be a little more frank. It's with refreshing. People. I feel everyone should be that way because I definitely true. lost a couple friends by being frank. Well, or by just being like, I'm sorry, I haven't gotten back to you for a month. Uh, things have been crazy, and I just don't have the. I just haven't had the time. I wanted to call you or whatever. And then there's like the ongoing, like, oh, I thought you were mad at me, and then which requires a whole 
different level of energy. I don't know. It's I just don't. I I I'm trying to. I'm trying to keep the people in my life that are that are okay, like you, with just the simple answer of like, I just need to have some time for a minute. No, I love and that like, because usually I'm I feel like, oh, you know what? That sounds great, perfect. Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't have well, to see you. I'll see you yeah, another time. And you're a friend that can accept that that yes. that's okay with I that. I love that. Whereas some of some people in my life aren't as comfortable with that. Right. And so, right. Um, and as I get older, I just don't have the patience to. Um, to to comfort them as with, I know. with like white lies and stuff. Why are why are people so sensitive? I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, it's really tough between like this, the podcast, and having a kid, and it's a lot. It's yeah, it's a lot. Show, and it's your a lot. show, your full time job. I've lost a lot of friends. <laughs> I have no. I, yeah, yeah. But our listeners know that. I don't yeah. have any friends. Well, you know what? All of our listeners are your friends. Thanks. Thanks, everybody out there. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> so what um, are we doing today? So today we're uh, we're going to do a few caller updates that people have been inquiring about, too, um, um, which I'm really excited about because it's always fun to revisit um, and check in with, with some of the people that we've talked to in the past. Uh, we're also talking to... Um, a revenge porn attorney. I hope that she's okay with me describing yeah, her like that. Yeah, I, I wonder how you would describe her. Okay, I, well, I read this article, and so did Amy, your girlfriend, and we inter- we in the New Yorker a, a few weeks ago. Um, by it was it's by uh, her name is Margaret, Margaret Talbot. Talbot, and she did a piece on this woman named Carrie Goldberg, who is uh, this young woman who's at the forefront of revenge porn litigation, and. It totally, I think it really struck us because it seems so applicable and so relevant to sort of the new age, all this new age of social media, at least it's new, it's new for me. <laughs> but um, but I thought that a lot of our listeners would be interested in this topic. Yeah, she has a, she has a practice that's specializing in sexual privacy, um, and it's a new field of law that's emerging and I wasn't familiar with this at all. In fact, Amy and you read this exclusively of each, of each other, and then you both talked we, to me about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, which is so funny. Which is so funny. But I think it just it really struck us both as like, oh yeah, this is a highly, highly relevant issue right now. How somebody can destroy your life potentially, and somebody that you felt really close to, your ex right. in most cases, um, exploiting you over the internet and. It, with devastating consequences. Sometimes people lose their jobs or have a tough time finding a job. Sometimes, you know, in some cases that Carrie uh, talked about in the article, um, you know, people, random men show up at these women's doorstep, like, you know, hoping for some kind of free sex. And, and it's it gets creepy and crazy. And there's a lot of states that because this is, this is new and um, – and also maybe because it happens a lot more to women than to men, although it does happen to men, a lot of states have been slow. Um, this is my sort of feminist view, viewpoint on it, but uh, have been slow to enact, ha, to, to creating laws against this. And in terms of privacy rights and versus First Amendment rights. Um, but anyway, Carrie Goldberg is somebody we're going to be talking to today. And, uh, and hopefully she can give our listeners... Uh, some advice and some anecdotes and sort of what to kind of what to do if this happens to you and um, and how to prevent um, yourself from 
how to prevent victim blame and how to prevent maybe this this uh, this horrible idea of happening to you. And it's the kind of thing where I think a lot of these people, you know, you you take you're in love, you take sexy photos, you send them to your boyfriend or girlfriend, and then when the relationship ends, and if it ends bitterly, sometimes this horrible stuff happens where people take revenge and um, and put you all over the internet. And uh, anyway, and, so. and Carrie's one of the few people who's who actually doing the specializing in this type of privacy yeah. law, sexual privacy law. Um, and if anyone wants to read that New Yorker article, it is on Twitter. Um, Emma has posted it on Twitter. I'm lying. Emma hasn't done that yet uh, because this is pre-recorded. But while we're releasing it, <laughs> it's okay. It's up right. There. It's up on the internet right now. <laughs> There's a link. Have you to the... always been truthful? I How know. I couldn't lie. lie. I couldn't lie. How much do you lie? Um, you don't lie very much, I don't, do you? I don't. I don't. I can't. I really, I don't know. I guess I'm, not, I'm really truthful. I'm not a great liar. Either. And you could tell when I'm kind of bullshitting or I'm trying to lie. You can completely tell where, where if it's like, I, if I'm not comfortable saying Are something. Are you a good poker player? Have we talked about this before? <sighs> I don't really play that much poker, but no, I'm not. I'm really bad at bluffing. I will say that. Because do you know what I think your tells would be? What's that? If I were playing poker with you, I think your tells... I think you would start to rock a little bit. <laughs> and whether it was, I don't know if I'd be able to tell if it was good or bad. Although if you kept staying in, I would think it was good. Cause I don't think you are a risk taker. I don't know if you would risk a ton on a really bad hand, hoping to out bluff somebody. Right. That would right, be right. my take on you. Yeah. I've done that in the past and I've gone out really early. So yes, I guess I would be more conservative when it comes to my bets, but yeah. I, that's the thing. My, the other tell would be, um, I don't know if that would be considered a tell, but if I put in, if I placed a large bet, then you would know I have a good hand, right? So they're right. So, so, that, so I wouldn't be a good poker player then. No, I don't think you would. All right, but no. if there's any constant, I'm horrible. Too. Really? I bet, oh, I bet so Chris bad. is good. Chris is good. I bet he is. I'm really, I'm really bad. Well, apparently, to be a really good poker player, you have to take huge risks, and you have to be willing to bet a whole lot and be willing to lose a whole lot. Exactly. Right. And. That's the only way you're going to win big. And yeah. you, you have to be able to swallow the big losses. And I, I can't do that very well. That's going to be tough. But hey, look, okay. we're taking big bets yeah. in our own lives. We are. I think we are, aren't we? Okay. I don't know. I have no idea. All right, should we call her? <laughs> we're still working out of my living room or dining room. <laughs> I always say living room. I guess because it it's really your, doesn't feel like a dining room. It's, well, it's a large dining room. Okay, so we're doing callers first? Yeah, no, we're going to call Carrie okay, first. Okay, Yeah. And I don't know if she's going to pick up the phone, so. C.A. Goldberg. Hi, this is Anna Ferris calling for Carrie. Hi, this is Carrie. How are Hi, you? Hi, Carrie. How are you? Good. Um, listen, we're recording you right now. You're on with Sim, uh, Sim Sarna and myself. Hey, um, first of all, thank you so much for doing this. Are you in New York right now? Yes. Have you thought about coming back to the West Coast? Because, you know, as we talked about before, you and I are from the same, not, I mean, to other people it would sound like the same hood, but, um, but we're both from Washington State. And have you considered, like, moving back West again? 
Well, I do totally just crave my bedroom in my little lumberjack town of Aberdeen. I just want to put my, my whole body under the covers and not, not get out of bed again for like four years. That sounds so, so Kurt Cobain-y and grungy, <laughs> <laughs> which is, uh, for, I'm sure the hardcore fans of, uh, will know out there that, um, out there will know that uh, Kurt Cobain um, was uh, born and raised in Aberdeen. I assume he was born, but he was raised in Aberdeen. Is that right, Carrie? Yes. He, he, was, he was born and raised. And I spent a lot of time under the Wishcott Bridge, which is where he used to live, <laughs> apparently. Oh, my God. Wait, what would you do under the bridge? Yeah. Just we would hold vigils for Kurt Cobain. I was a sophomore junior when he died, and it was like the most tragic thing I'd ever experienced in my life. I was a senior, and and granted, we were further up north. You know, we were in Edmonds, but we did like make a like everyone was crying at school. Uh, suddenly, there was like a ton of everyone was wearing you know R.I.P. Kurt Cobain shirts we went made a pilgrimage to um that weird sherbert sherberty colored house that he shared with courtney down on like where was it it was kind of by lake washington do you remember that place i don't know anyway we went down there it was all gated off there wasn't anything to see but i know sorry Gary. (laughs) this guy's so depressing bring you back the memories it was hell um so carrie um we wanted you on because um, because of your well, I you know I I read your piece in the New Yorker and I talked to you a few weeks ago about coming on and, and talking to our listeners about um, about what you do and some like potential advice and um, I wanted to maybe have you start out. I, I have I have some questions um, for you, but I would love to maybe just get a little bit of intro from you about how you kind of got started in this field. I know that you were in, uh, you were, you were an attorney for public housing, um, for a while in, in Brooklyn. Is that correct? Um, I was, so my first job as a baby lawyer was representing low income tenants in Manhattan. And then I, um, went back to my roots originally before law school and during law school, I worked with Nazi victims and elderly Holocaust survivors went to law school at night just to kind of take my mind off the Holocaust and then was like, Oh shit, I have to become a lawyer now. And wait, can we cast on, on your show? I, I don't know. Oh yeah. yeah. Of course. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, it'll be a problem otherwise. Um, so, um, so then I was, I was working at um, a place called the Vera Institute where I was the, um, I ran the legal department and we were the guardian of like 150 incapacitated people. And I spent a lot of time um, making end-of-life decisions for them. And I ended up like <sighs> putting people out of their misery um, about oh, 12 wow. times a year. So I was like, this, oh my God. I sort of was like this angel of death. Um, and, um, and then my life took a really severe pivot um, when, I guess in, in April of 2013, when I ended a relationship. It was a pretty short relationship. It lasted like four months. And the person that I um, had been involved with was became uh, extremely volatile as a result of it and um, was 
retaliatory in any number of ways. And there, there were there were a number of, of court cases and, and legal actions taken. And when I got to the other side of that, like six months later, nothing about my life was was ever the same. Um, I had experienced like like intense fear Wait, uh, for no. the first time. Uh, sorry, Carrie. To, and I know I don't know how much you can talk about this, but was it sort of stalking? I mean, I you don't you really truly don't let me pry too much at all. You can tell me to shut the fuck up. But um, um, but it obviously yeah, got it to off- a se- very serious place. Yeah, it was online and offline stalking, and um, threats and and um, contact made to like sixteen different family members and colleagues and judges and and basically this this person um, expressed to all of um, the world that he was going to be um, spending the rest of his life destroying mine. And, um, and so did you see, uh, this is off topic, but did you see glimpses of that kind of stuff when you were in the relationship, but ignore it? Cause I, with my exes, it never got into, got to a place like that, but I definitely ignored a lot of red flags. Do, do you feel like kind of this, I mean, or, or was sort of after the breakup, did all this stuff kind of come as a huge shock to you? Um, you know, it's, it's, that's a question that so many of my clients get asked. And I also get asked that a lot too. And it just is sort of a, a curdling question. Because sure. It's like, cause yeah, it's about- of course. I mean, like it's, it is like, of course we're all, you know, like we're not naive, you know, we can like right. see, Sure, we can we can see glimpses, but but there's still a denial, and sometimes it's easier to stay in something bad oh, than yeah. to confront what you know is going to be a tsunami that's that much worse. Oh, completely. We um, always on this podcast we talk a lot about like trying to make a bad thing work, and um, mm-hmm. and and you're right. And sometimes like this, the safer path almost seems like to stay in it. Um, I've definitely been a part of that. Sorry, I'm now I'm talking about me, but. Um, no, I mean, it's something, I mean, you talking about yourself and I mean, it's something that so many of us experience and, um, and there's, there's so much shame involved, particularly if you're somebody who is a strong person and, and is used to being an advocate and helping other people. There's, you know, like we don't want to talk about our own sort of um, experience being, being injured and, and, and quote unquote, you know, a, a victim. Right. Um, and so many of us, like, um, I don't know, I've found in my experience that the mono- the most m- manipulative people don't really know that they're manipulative. And I don't know, I found myself pretty easily, well, easily, I, you know, um, just wanting to believe, wanting to believe that, that, that this, that, I don't know. The, the things I was wearing a lot of rose colored glasses, but and this is something I want to talk to you about later is how to prevent victim guilt and and what you probably do. Uh, but it, anyway, let's get to, on to that in a, in a minute. Will you please go on? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So so basically, uh, you know, after six months, nothing about my life looked the same. I was I'd had to move to another apartment where there was security and. Um, my dog was being cared for by somebody else. My relationships with my family um, were pretty 
messed up and my friends as well because he'd um, harassed all of them as well. And and there was also just like some some resentful resentment like why did you bring this variable into our lives? Oh, that um, because he sucks. was he was threatening not just me but also but also them as well. Um, and so I was um, just sort of at the end of my rope, feeling darker than I'd ever felt in my entire life. And I had this like literal like edge of the cliff moment in Ireland, like over New Year's. Um, December of 2013. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like I'm going to have, I just like experienced all this stuff and I'm going to like now have my psychotic meltdown and it's going to be right here on this cliff. And Oh my God, what, what happens? Like I, I felt this like surge of energy and I knew I needed to run. And I was like, Holy shit. Am I, which direction am I even going to run? And unfortunately I ran away from the cliff, but I was making this negotiation with myself that, okay, if the next year is as bad as these last two years were, then Carrie, you can come back to this cliff and reassess things. And so I then came back to New York, quit my job on, I gave notice January 7th of 2014. My last day was the 23rd. And then I started my law firm the 24th. And basically I just had this goal that I was going to spend the next year trying to be for other people the, the lawyer that I really needed when I was going through my stuff. And so I'd learned so much and, and I had been so unable to, to find anybody to help me who kind of knew about the intersection of um, domestic violence and internet law and privacy law and first amendment law and criminal law. And so it's like, you know, I know there are other people in my, in my, in my situation who, who could use an advocate. And I've got this amazing resource. I've got this law degree. I can actually, you know, like actually help people. And so I just had this new life mission and, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those situations where, you know, out of shit can become, you know, can grow such, such a beautiful thing. And I, I'm, I'm so grateful for all the bullshit that happened to me. Well, did you find yourself sort of, fl- I would imagine once the word got out that you, found yourself sort of flooded with with clients and or in people that needed your help because they're I you're you're on like the forefront of doing this and um was that the case that you and I'm sure um you know I'm sure you must now be are are you just swamped with because this it seems like it's such a common and tragically so um problem now that that people's lives are getting destroyed um well you know at first when I first started the law firm I didn't know that it was it was actually gonna become like a a career I thought I was just going to continue doing guardianship and that I would try to also help other people who were having sexual privacy invasions and um but I and I you know, I was on such a shoestring budget. I, my my office had no windows, and it was like, um, you know, seventy five square feet maybe, and um, so I didn't have like a, a mechanism for for marketing myself or anything. But I just started kind of spreading blogging and, and tweeting as much as I could about the topic, and and taking any case um, 
that I could and, and doing all this work for free just to, to build the experience um, that I needed. And, and then, yeah, the cases started, started rolling in. Without getting too personal uh, with some of your clients, but can you tell us about, without naming any names or whatever you're comfortable with, can you tell us um, a couple of examples of, of some of the stuff that you, of some of the kinds of cases that you work on? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. On. Yeah. So, so basically, the the general idea is that I represent victims of online harassment, sexual assault, and blackmail. And a lot of the cases involve revenge porn and sextortion. And um, my, I mean, a case. Well, a case that I just filed, um, and I have this client's permission to talk about it. Is um, he's a 32 year old actor who um, just who got out of um, a bad relationship. And then like so many of my other clients that that jilted ex retaliated and he started creating um, fake profiles, impersonating my client on Grindr. And for the last four months, uh, my client has received between one and 15 visits to his home and his workplace from men expecting to, to have sex with him. Um, he altogether, there's, I mean, a, a, a conservative estimate of the number of people that have gone to his home and workplace is like 700. And so this ex, it's just like made it his full-time job to, to uh, just exact revenge on my client. And he's used a lot of different different methods to do it. But, but the, the grinder one's the most interesting because my client has lodged over 50 complaints with grinder and they've done nothing. So, so we just, um, on Friday, I got an injunction against grinder and we filed this big lawsuit against grinder. Um, so that's a case that I'm, I'm really excited about. A lot of my clients are, are young. Um, I've got a number of cases representing high school, um, girls, I've got a, a 13-year-old um, here in Brooklyn who was sexually assaulted, and the offender who was a classmate of hers, he filmed it, and then the, the, the rape tape went viral around the school. And she, the, the victim, was then told to leave school because her presence at school was considered a distraction. And I have two other cases that are similar where victims of sexual assault were told to leave school. And all three of those cases involve um, girls of color here in Brooklyn who um, are super low income with immigrant moms, single moms. And, um, you know, so those cases are against instead they're not against the offender, but they're against the school because the school was, was right. so negligent. I mean, when one of the cases, it was a... Um, uh, my, my client has an IQ of 71. She was dragged into a stairwell by seven people and then forced to provide oral sex on two of them. And then she was suspended. She told 
a guidance counselor what had happened, there was video footage of her being dragged into a stairwell, and she, my client, was was suspended. Um, so, so, so in those, like, in all my cases, it's like, you know, usually when you have a case and somebody's been injured, you sue or you get relief against the person who did the injury. But in my cases, usually the person who caused the injury is not somebody who can, who can ever like make my client whole again. They can never repay her for what she experienced. Um, and so we have to get creative. And in this, in these cases, you know, the school was, was a real accomplice in her pain and suffering. So, Hey, we're going after the school and we're making them start to, to, um, you know, create better mechanisms for, for, for people, for people who are reporting sexual assault and, and, um, we're also demanding that they start teaching consent. We have a number of different demands on, on the New York City Department of Ed. So is it almost twofold, whether it's like going after a school district um, or Grindr or, um, um, you know, other porn sites or not, not the Grindr's a porn site, but you know what I'm saying, or porn sites mm-hmm. um, and also the individual who's I mean, is there, are there, is there civil litigation against, um, or, and what about the idea of child pornography Are some of these people, um, if they're under, underage and passing around naked photos of say their girlfriend or boyfriend at school, are they committing, um, pedophilia, acts of pedophilia or like, how does that, or is it a state by state case? Like, how does that work? I mean, one of the, the problems that I face is, is a civil litigator is that I can never compel prosecutors or law enforcers to, to like, pursue criminal actions. And so I'm really limited by what I can do as a civil attorney. Like, I can sue and I can threaten to sue and send cease and desist letters and stuff like that. But it's one, one situation that we have a lot is, is um, you know, when, when underage people are having sex or, or distributing uh, intimate images of themselves, whether or not it's consensual, whether or not there's a revenge porn component, yeah, it does trigger our, our child pornography statutes. Um, a lot of states, though, have these things called sexting laws that make it so that if somebody's arrested for child pornography, for, for you know, sexting naked pictures to, to their... their um, their boyfriend or something, then instead of being prosecuted under ch- child pornography laws, they, um, there's kind of a leniency and they just have to go to like a, a day camp to learn about cyberbullying and stuff. Um, but one of the problems we see, especially with underage um, victims of revenge porn, is that they're treated as criminals themselves. And so there's a threat that if they go and and pursue criminal charges that they, the victim, can be charged with the creation of child pornography, the distribution of child pornography, the distribution of it to a minor. And so um, even though a a child is is a victim of revenge porn, they're not necessarily going to be treated as as a victim. Um, So that's that's something really scary that that we have to confront. It's – so, yeah, I I think – I, I like I, I want you to speak a little bit more about how we prevent people because I took naked photos with exes, but they weren't on 
phones, you know, you had to like go and get them developed like a drugstore <laughs> or whatever. And sure, I'm sure that they were seen by some high school kids, which sucks. Um, it was a little, it, it wasn't necessarily, but I, I think that I felt guilty about that idea as opposed to like, because I did. And I think I really suspect that, um, that I was also secretly videotaped um, having I, I really I, I don't have any proof um, having sex um, with an ex and maybe it was shown around. But um, but I felt more guilty about that idea than which, you know, speaks. I'm sure that a lot of your clients have a lot of that that victim guilt like, well, I did this. So I'm culpable or I'm I'm uh, a participant in this. And um and I and I, I would love for you to to clarify the idea that even if you consent to taking a photo or being a part of a photo, that does not mean that you consent to distribution um, of of the material. I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, you you said exactly what it is. I mean, consenting to show a naked picture or share a naked picture with one person is not consenting for it to be shared with the entire internet or the entire school. Um, you know, any more so than if I am buying a pair of shoes at Barney's and I give my credit card to the salesperson, I'm consenting for him to charge me for that one pair of shoes and not for, you know, 700 pairs of shoes. Um, and, and I do hear you like shoes. You know, I like shoes too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Though, but, but yeah, please, I didn't mean to interrupt you because I, I do think that a lot of people, especially women, you know, we're not to gender. I'm, I know that men deal with the, these issues too, but as, but I do think that we have a different sense of, uh, guilt around sexuality. Um, that's, uh, in a lot of us is, is, you know, I mean, we still get told, like, what? Who was that old man senator who told us that the best birth control, like, a year ago was an aspirin between our knees or whatever? Oh, right. Like, there's still, there's still very much still, like, well, was the skirt short mentality? Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I hope that you can give our listeners who've experienced this or who maybe are worried about pictures they've taken and feel guilty about that, I hope you can give help give them a sense of um, of of relieving that that um, that victim guilt uh, that that the idea that they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, I mean it's it's um, it's essential that they know that they've done nothing wrong, and it's one of the first sort of series of lectures, <laughs> gentle, loving lectures that I give to my clients who come here with such shame and remorse stuff that you know it's really normal for people to take intimate pictures of themselves. I mean, right. it's, it goes back to when GIs would go off to war with like pictures of pinups and risque photos of, of their, their beloved in, in their wallets. I mean, this is not new behavior. It's just that all of us have these little um, photography studios in the palm of our hands and, and take pictures, um, you know, all, all the time. And so it just, it, it's just an extension and kind of obvious that it would extend to to our sexual behavior it's it's you know our phones are just part of mating dating behavior now i've sent like you know sexy pictures to chris we spend a lot of time apart so i have to (laughs) i mean i don't have to but you know i like to um but yeah but then i get of course worried that 
someone, you know, I mean, of course, I'm worried about, about hacks, yeah, about hacking. And yeah, but but yeah. point being like, it's it feels like, yeah, this is a part of of the norm having a normal, healthy, fun, sexy kind of communication. And then when it right. becomes exploitative, um, it, you know, it, it's definitely feels like a violation out of something that that is you like you just said is normal um behavior for for and shouldn't necessarily we shouldn't have to go into a relationship feeling like I can't send so and so a sexy picture because if we break up he's going to post I mean nobody should if you're if you enter a relationship like that you probably shouldn't be in it from the get I mean if you would that degree like wariness I suppose anyway um but what – so let's say here's – maybe you could help give our listeners some practical advice if they're in this. Let's say someone uh, posts an explicit picture of me without my permission. What should I do? So they posted it on the internet? I'm think, yes. Thinking? Yeah. Okay. First thing that you do is take a screenshot and go – and one of the first pieces of advice that I tell – tell um, my clients is do not erase it. So there's often a knee-jerk reaction to go for the, for the client to go into their phone, find that picture and erase it. Um, we need that picture so that we can like show that they, you know, that this was their own picture and that they sent it and, you know, show like a whole chain of custody. So, um, and then depending on, on the, um, the platform where it's posted, I mean, we can get it down usually. Um, if it's a selfie, then the, the, um, the victim owns the copyright in that. If, it's, if it was taken by somebody else, then, then the other person owns it. Whoever clicks the button owns, owns the copyright. Yeah, what so, happens in that situation uh, if someone else owns the, the copyright? And is it, is it tougher to get down? Um, well, it depends. So, like, in, in 2015... Um, uh, a group that I'm involved with made tons of progress in terms of getting bans on revenge porn on major social media platforms like Google, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And so now they will t- those platforms will take it down regardless of who owns the picture. Um, but when you're talking about other like other places like seedier places on the internet, like like dedicated revenge porn websites or Tumblr, sometimes. Um, those places won't necessarily take it down unless you threaten them with a copyright infringement case. And so if somebody else owns the copyright, um, what I do is I then find that person and say, I know you did this, um, and you know, I'm, we're going to pursue charges against you. you, you know, why don't you take this moment to, to transfer the copyright over to my client? And they do. I mean, when people receive a, a cease and desist letter from me, they, um, they I, I bet you, I bet you write a scary I bet you write a scary season to this letter. I would not want oh to get God. rid of those. It's my favorite thing to do. It's my favorite thing to do. Um, and I started this this new this new format recently. Um, a lot of my clients actually um, surprisingly are super wealthy men who are maybe had some sort of extramarital um, little dalliance. Um, with somebody that they met online, like on a seeking arrangements or, or Ashley Madison type situation. And that, that woman comes, um, I'm not to be sexist, but usually in, in these scenarios, it's man, victim, woman, offender. 
and she'll usually come up and say, you know, I'm going to send everyone in your, you know, in on the board of your business or the board of your company or your kids, um, all these screenshots of the, the sexy texts that we exchanged um, if you don't give me $50,000 or $10,000. And so, and sometimes the, um, the victim doesn't even know the real name of, of the woman. You know, if it was a prostitute or right. somebody mm-hmm. they met online one time, they don't even necessarily have the basic information. So then I have to get my um, team of cyber ninjas involved and we de-anonymize the victim. And, and, and so in those situations, I, my favorite way to start a cease and desist letter is say, hi, um, um, I'm Carrie Goldberg. I represent blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm taking negotiations over from here. Negotiations just ended. It, it's, nice. Um, it's so funny. I actually, I just read that paragraph um, in your New Yorker article about the... Uh, oh, shit. Am I repeating myself? <laughs> no, 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 no. I Actually, can God. you tell? It was so cool about how you actually went and found the guy, how you tracked the, uh, the, I mean, how you tracked the woman down. Can you talk about that experience since it was in the article? Um, if it's the case I'm thinking of, then... In that case, what we did is, um, so she was using like software to um, make it so that we couldn't see her IP address or anything like that. So she, so she was basically saying, you know, I'm going to release all this stuff on Monday if you don't meet with me and give me this money. And so what we did was we were like, okay, we're, I, she didn't know he, he had an attorney, but I said, okay, tell her that for security purposes, you want to create a new Gmail account and and just communicate with her in the drafts of that. Nice. So oh. we then created a new Gmail account that he had control over. And so they were communicating in the drafts rather than sending it to right. one another. And we tricked her into thinking this was like a privacy measure. But then we could actually acquire all the information related to her logins and logouts. Nice. Um, that is so, so crafty. Cool. And so then we could take that IP information and we were able to track down like the very like desktop computer on the specific floor in this specific office building in this particular city that she was uh, communicating from. Wow. And I totally regret giving this whole story because oh. that's like a trick I really love. <laughs> and um, then you sent your, your uh, cease and desist letter after that. Yeah. I mean, it's, and then, like the, you know, the the problem is has it's resolved over. itself. It's Hopefully, yeah. she's not listening. But if she is, like, hey, I will come back if you do. I don't think they our our listeners. I like to think are not the kind of people that try <laughs> to extort um, money. Well, I from... mean, if she if she is listening, I mean, I can tell her that I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. So if she comes back, hell, hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sick the cyber ninjas on you. Um, um, so, so can is are there other ways um, to, for our listeners to protect themselves from invasions of privacy without restricting their freedom of expression, or is this sort of the wild west of times? In you know with are rapidly expanding, you know, social media in the last five years. Um, and I don't know, what do you, what do you think? It's, it's not the wild west. I mean, it's, I mean, we have tons of 
of you know laws and restrictions when it comes to um, tech. You know, we now have 33 different states that have revenge porn laws. Um, we have all these hacking laws and um, and laws about you know recording and 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 um, distribution of, of that. So so it's it's that we're not in the wild west. Um, but what people can do is just I mean like. I mean, there's some just basic things like if you're going to send sexy pictures, crop your head off or not crop your head off, crop your head out of, <laughs> of the image. And, you know, don't have like your your high school or college diploma in the background um, so that and one of the, the biggest issues that we have on the Internet is that if pictures are posted onto revenge porn websites, then there's this huge like mob of of Internet bottom feeders that just pounce on, on the victims and, and try to track them down and, and uh, compete with one another to find as much personal identifying information about the victim. And they post all that stuff in the comments and then, and then harass and harass and harass. So that's, that's the population that is the most frightening. So you don't want to have any, any information with your picture that would right. lead those people to you. Um, but I mean, other things are just like, you know, we, you talked about hacking. I mean, it's boring to talk about, but just, you know, like have complicated passphrases for all your devices, have two-step authentication, have different passwords for different um, social media accounts and change those passwords. And, and, you know, where it says, you know, your security question is like, what's your mother's maiden name? Don't put your mother's maiden name. Instead, put like, the prologue to the Canterbury Tales or, or some other um, thing that, that you can think of. Um, <laughs> but, Just going mean, to log in is, really quick. <laughs> um, the, the truth is, though, um, and, and this is like kind of this like this message that I feel is my duty to, to communicate all the time, is that we are all one moment away from meeting somebody who could destroy our life. Right. And that goes for anybody. Um, if somebody wants to take us down, they will find a way. If they have skills related to hacking and stuff, they will get in. Um, nobody, nobody can feel um, like smug that this hasn't happened to them, um, that they're not the, they've never been the victim of, of revenge porn or stuff. I have, I have clients whose, um, whose bikinis were photoshopped off of Facebook pictures and then they were posted on revenge porn websites. And, um, you know, people are, are filmed without their, their permission and then posted on, on, on websites, you know, so nobody can feel like, like they can take every precaution possible for this to never happen to them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes complete sense. I mean, uh, with like drones and I don't know, and uh, sort of, I don't know that that's going to be a whole, the drone conversation I think is, is, I know it's already happening, but it's just waiting to happen to happen more. Um, Chris is like, if I ever see a drone, cause you can fly them into, cause aerospace is, is public. So you could, you could conceivably fly them into people's yards and, and Chris is like, I can, I'm going to shoot them down. I'm like, honey, it's against the law. You can't. That's it's anyway. But, um, but also I totally, uh, yeah, I totally uh, agree. Like drones make me furious. Yeah. Like the, like the mosquito-ness of them. I know. But and they're big. Totally. And, uh, and, and just, and 
the creep it goes up you know what drone flyer should be my number one on the list of men. Oh, they're going to add that to your list? Men with hobbies you should not date. <laughs> so the hobbies, is magic a hobby now or is magic... Is no, still, no, you, that's a profession It's still a profession. You, so you can't date you, any magicians. It's going to be hobby and and profession. Okay, Carrie, do you know why Anna won't date a magician? Well... Tell me. Oh, I just don't like, like somebody who gets off on, on being able to trick you. <laughs> like, mm. I don't, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm amused, mildly amused by a magician in performance, but being with somebody who's like, I, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a personality component that I'm not crazy about. Some people might be, I'm not. And same well, I thing, think it would depend though. If, if, if a magician is like totally like frontal and like, okay, I'm in magician mode now, then that could be okay. But if a magician maybe. is, I don't know if they can turn like, it on and off off stage. You don't think so? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. My mind feels a little made up on this. Um, (laughs) But, you know, but I've never dated a magician. But now anyone that owns a drone is on your list now? Well. Well, you can own a drone and still not be creepy. Yes. Yeah. Like you could own it for like if you, let's say you need to manage your crops from a distance. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, or you want to like. Check out some the wild geese formation that's <laughs> flying south or whatever. Yes. But um, but yeah, drone because the because it's one once again like so many elements of the internet, it can be anonymous mm-hmm. and anything that's very anonymous just freaks me out. Um, unless it's a massive charitable donation, then I'm applaud it. But <laughs> but um, but speaking of anonymous. Like the troll issue, I don't know how much you can, like, I, I don't know if there are, rest- when, when trolling becomes harassment and, and have we entered into that phase of, of litigation yet? I, I don't know if, if a, one particular troll becomes, um, you know, sends death threats. Is, is there anything you could, you can do or even just, horrible i don't know like you should kill yourself kind of in like threat or you know what i mean right, right. like what i know that some people there have been a handful of cases right where after there's been a tragic suicide um there's been some criminal like files charged against um some of these people but but is that the same i don't know carrie do you know much about that world as well i'm sure you do but yeah, I mean, it's one of my favorite things to do is just is find out the identity of people that are cloaking themselves online. And it's actually one of the things I've been talking um, about here, and we kind of want to be getting into it as, as abortion rights um, are, are threatened and uh, the providers and advocates of abortion are being targeted and threatened more and more online, is that we want to start de-anonymizing the people that are doing that. Mm-hmm. And one way that we can do it is, is we can do j- lawsuits against a John Doe, and then we could subpoena the online service platform to get user information, metadata, and IP addresses for the offenders. And, and even though it's, I mean, that's very tedious and cumbersome and um, and time-consuming, and litigation is expensive, and, and stuff. It 
you know, if, if we have a few cases of that where people are outed um, as the trolls that they are, then hopefully that would have a deterrent effect. So that's, that's kind of an area that, that I'm really excited about pursuing in the future. Um, Carrie, thank you so much for doing this. And if you wouldn't mind, maybe we can check back. I'm, I feel like we're going to get a lot of response and, uh, I'd love to check back in with you in a few months and just be in touch. I, I, um, I, I'm just in awe of what you're doing and, um, and I, you know, and I know that there's a lot going to be a lot of people that are going to be really relieved to hear that um, that their their issues are getting a stronger and stronger voice through people like you and through you. And so, thank you so much. Well, I am so glad to have gotten to to talk to you and to all of your listeners. So I'm here. Um, and yes, let's let's definitely keep the conversation alive. And, I would love that you know, to all your listeners. You know, we do have your back. There are lawyers out there um, right here um, who can kick ass and and protect you. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah. And when you're in L.A., please come to my creepy home. Yes, it's a pretty creepy home. You actually (laughs) would really love it here. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Really? (laughs) It's creepy and cool. I think she would enjoy it. I I will not bring my drone. Yes. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) No drones allowed. <laughs> Carrie, um, Carrie, you're doing some amazing and inspiring okay. things. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you thank so you. much, Carrie. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Keep up the good work, you too. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. What a fucking. She's a rock what star. What a fucking amazing woman. Wow. What an inspiring. Inspir- yeah. She just, she was like, I'm making a change in my life because. Uh, like I can take what I have, the law degree and of my personal experience and go out and do good for so many people. It's really, really incredible. It really is incredible. And the beauty is it, this is so new. I really, it, hopefully yeah. this encourages more people to get into this, I hope into so. this field because there aren't that many. She's right. one of the few that are doing it and she's right. doing an incredible job. And hopefully it, it opens up the dialogue because I think a lot of people too, who I think who I, who do revenge porn, who post things. I mean, some people do it with a total act of vengeance in terms of like, um, my ex likes to be gang raped, so here's her address. Horrible things like that. But then there's other people who put it on, you know, other maybe more innocuous stuff or just simply spread it to their friends who think that they're not doing um, something that's abnormal or all that harmful. And I love it that she's, that she's changing the conversation, that she's making the conversation. Exactly. And the message is going to get across that, that, like, that you will be prosecuted. Right. And there are consequences. There are consequences. And what you're doing is really fucked up. Exactly. And it's not the norm. Right. And anyway, I hope that, um, yeah, I hope we get to talk to her more. And listeners, please, like, please write us with um, or, you know, call us with your experiences if you have any or, if, you know, if you want us to ask anything to Carrie and I'd love to have her back on. And anyway, um, I, I'm so glad we were able to talk to me her. Me too. Me too. Okay. We'll take a quick break and then we're going to call our, um, our check-ins. We'll get some updates. Yes. Okay. Updates. That's better than check-ins. <laughs> check-in sounds like what happens after you get a venereal disease. Okay. Bye. We'll be right back. I smell like urine. Urine? I smell like urine. I don't think you have a very good sense of smell, though, right? No. 
Why would you smell like urine? I don't know. That makes no sense. I, well, I don't right. have a very good sense. Either. All right, we're um, going to so call. Yeah, go ahead. Listeners, we're calling Janine um, from the Johnny Galecki episode a few months back. Yeah, so if anyone wants to listen to that episode, it's episode 53, Johnny Galecki part two, and it starts at the two minute and five second mark. Oh, shit. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Fuck. All right. He, Sim is in panic mode. No, Listen I'm not. A little bit. No. It's fun to watch you in panic got mode, this. though. I got this. I know. Oh. Do you want your can of soda? Hello. Hi, Janine. Hi, Anna. How are you? Hey, Janine. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Hey, thanks for um, thanks for touching for touching base with us again. Uh, we had a lot of um, we had a lot of listeners wanting to know how everything how sort of resolved itself, or if it did. Um, would you give us a little recap? And were we helpful? Yeah. Yeah. First, tell us why why you called in, or why we called you. Um. So I called in um, basically because I was having. A- I guess sort of a, an issue with a coworker. Um, I'm married and I work with a guy who um, initially we became friends and it felt very comfortable and I felt sort of safe because he was married too, or he is married. Um, and so, you know, even though there was some flirting and joking around, it, I just never thought that anything would physically happened between us. Um, but eventually things did progress and, um, I, you know, it became a physical relationship. Um, and then I felt really torn and just sort of unhappy with myself. And even though I tried stopping it, um, it, it would, it would stop and then it would occur again, or he would, um, not that he was, you know, controlling me in any way, but, well, he was charming you, is what he was would, doing. You told us that he was charming right. you. He was very, very charming. And every time I said, you know, I don't think I should be doing this or we should be doing this, he would agree. But then a week later, it would just, you know, be really sweet to me and give me all this attention. And um, and I would just kind of fall back into it. So after I spoke to you guys, which it's been a while, um, actually, the day after, I just I said, OK, um, well, first of all, I think you guys gave really good advice. Um, I think it was Chris. I know he wasn't trying to make me feel bad, but I, I did feel bad. And I felt that even before I called. But um, oh no, it just my kind of was like a wake-up call. And it was <laughs> something I think I needed to hear. I'm sorry? Oh, no, I'm just sorry that my, my husband, is, he, he can be, <laughs> no, he can lay down I, the wait, wait, let's, let's, What did Chris say to you? Let's recap that. Um, he was just kind of like, this is not, it's not like you, you know, fucked up a one-time thing where you went out and did something that you regretted. You sort of kept going back and you're, this is like an ongoing thing. And, um, it's not fair to your husband. It's not fair to his wife. You're potentially breaking up a family. And it was just all things that I think I've thought about, but, to say it out loud or to hear someone say that to you out loud was definitely different than me just feeling guilty on my own. Um, And I mean, I understand where he was coming from 
it's just that being in this situation, I've never, I had never been in this situation before. And I've like, I, I think I told you guys this last time too, that, you know, I've always looked at people who have cheated to be so low and awful. And I never thought that I would be in that predicament of being a cheater myself. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, uh, it's, it's an awful feeling to feel guilty and it can really be, it can kind of destroy oneself. Um, my parents raised me on a healthy diet of guilt. Um, so I feel guilty for lots of different things, but how did everything, did, did anything change? Did, um, I, 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 from what I recall, I think Johnny said that you should tell your husband, which I don't know if I fully was on board with, but, um, did anything change? Are you still seeing this guy? Um, how how did it all? So the day after, like I said, I think hearing all the advice and everything that was said, um, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to take it one day at a time and I'm going to not do something. I'm not going to cheat today. And then it was two days and it was three days. And for a while, I, you know, stuck to my guns and um and even when he was being very charming and you know I I said no and so things were fine for a while um and then he actually left the company um for a little bit he was basically sent to another city to work for a while and I think just out of sight out of mind really helped oh, no before we move on with the story did you guys when he when he left did you guys have any texting contact or anything like that while he was gone um we didn't really text as much so before initially we used to email all the time and text all the time um but no that that sort of died down and i think when he felt like i was very serious about not having that kind of relationship anymore um, being being that he was away, I guess he was preoccupied with other things. And, and I think that kind of was a wake up call for me too. And it made me feel like, you know, he really wants me when I'm there. It's not, it's not as much of an emotional connection as I thought it was. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, what? that, that definitely helped, but then he moved back. Um, when did he move back? And I'm sorry. When did he move back? Um, he moved back about um, less than two months ago. What's happened in the last two um, months? And it's been, honestly, it, I hate to say this, but it's been sort of on and off. I There's days where I can really resist and say no and not, not even care to see him, um, not make any effort to run into him and almost avoid him. And then there's days where he'll just text me or email me out of the blue. And it's um, really hard to stay away from. Um, so I haven't, I, I, I want to tell you that this is all good news and, you know. What's going on in your marriage? Things are good. Um, I mean, Things with us have always been good, and and that's the thing. I I feel like I'm really sort of living two different lives. Um, My main focus is on my home life and my husband, and it's it's weird to say that because I have this other thing sort of going on, I guess, part-time or whatever, but um, 
you know, we take trips together. We do things together. We're overall happy. And I don't, I don't really quite know how to say that without it sounding weird, but we are. And that's sort of where I am. Well, I think you said something really revealing earlier, which was um, when he was out of sight, out of mind, that you realized that it was a little more um, emotional. I mean, that that you were disappointed that it wasn't more emotional. Um, And which tells me that you know, you have an emotional, obviously an emotional attachment with him. And it makes me think that you're kind of falling in love with him if you haven't been already, if you haven't been kind of already sort of in love with him, Um, which is a very, I mean, it's already been kind of, it's been pretty dangerous territory. Um, But it sounds like it's even a little more dangerous. Um, would you want to be with him? The thing is, I wouldn't. And um, sometimes I think, you know, if we were both single and younger, I would maybe want to date him. But even if I dated him, I don't think I would want to stay with him. There's Why? I don't know. He's just not, I feel like he's not really my type. And guys that I've dated in the past, I guess I have always dated people who have been very secure in who they are. Yeah, so he's like the unsafe guy. Clearly your husband makes you feel very safe, but doesn't also maybe, you know, doesn't give you the like the that dangerous element that maybe you're looking for, whether it's out of boredom or... Um, but um, and maybe, maybe, you know, the reason why you wouldn't want to be with him is because you know that he's not very faithful. Right. I, um, I mean, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, and it's very hypocritical of me to say or think because I'm in it just as much as he is, but knowing that he's going or like cheating on his wife, I can't, I can't forget that aspect of, of who he is. So when I look at him, even though we have this connection and I, I like him, I, I feel if anything, emotionally, I, when I, spoke to you guys the first time I was a lot more invested in him and I was definitely torn in so many different ways and and worried and you know didn't I was like maybe I love him I'm not sure but now um I feel more in control and I don't when I see him it's not I don't get the same butterflies I'm not I'm okay if I don't see him again but then when I do see him yeah, when I do see him, it feels, I guess, more of like a physical thing now between us when, when things do happen. But, it does, uh, yeah, I, I used to think about him all the time. I used to communicate with him all the time. And, you know, if he texted me, I would text him back or emails. And now sometimes when he emails me, it's, it just doesn't feel like a priority. And I'm not – and I think it's because when he was gone, um, I realized, you know, it's – it's not very emotional for him. So like, why am I putting my heart on the line for someone like this? I just kind of had a wake up call. Um, Plus again, like I said, what Chris said, you know, made me feel horrible, but I think I needed to hear it. Well, and then what about like, does anyone else know at work? 
is there, does your husband have any inkling? Has he asked you any pressing questions that would make you believe that he knows anything? Like, no, um, people at work, I, he, so this guy, he's actually pretty friendly and flirty with everyone. So, you know, if anything, sometimes he even flirts with other people in a more, obvious way in meetings or you know whatever and um so it makes people just think that he's just this really friendly person do and do other people at work think he's a little skeezy um I don't think so I think they actually think he's you know a good husband and which you know in his own way he probably is um <laughs> no he's like yeah. he's like like I said he's very charming so people just really like him men and women alike um, so I don't think anyone ex- suspects uh, I, I, anything. I, I don't like this guy. I don't like the situation at all. I don't either. I don't either. So, I, but I hear you saying that maybe sometimes he flirts to like deflect the attention off of the affair that you guys are having. Um, right. But, oh, um, he's so crafty. Yeah, he's crafty. And, uh, he's definitely crafty. And sometimes he'll tell me things, and I'm just like, why are you even worried about this? Like, he'll sort of almost plot things like so that how? people won't notice. Um, like we were working on a project, and normally we're on the same team. And I mean, that's how we sort of got close. But since he came back, um, he had a choice of either staying on the team or being on a different one. And he, he was like, you know, I obviously want to work with you, but I'm going to be on this other team so that people don't think anything. But in my head, um, people weren't ever thinking anything between us to begin with, but it's like, he'll do things like that and go out of his way or in front of other people flirt with other people so that they don't see him flirting with me or, um, just, I don't know. I, I can't, I guess I can't think of too many examples, but things like that, where he's always thinking. And, and I think in a way that's what I don't find attractive. Has he brought up his wife in terms of saying to you, like, my wife can never find out. We can never tell anybody about this. Like what level of, of how nervous is he that you will reveal this secret? I don't think he's nervous that I would reveal this um, because he knows that I wouldn't want my husband to find out. So I think he feels pretty safe. And I don't think he thinks that I'm crazy in love with him. It, it, it's not like he thinks I'll have a moment of passion and will want to keep him for myself. Um, I never really, well, I personally don't feel like I would. And I also don't show him too much that I even like him in that way. I, our relationship has sort of, died down a lot I think since we last spoke and so now it's um I don't know it it feels more a little bit more one-sided so I don't think he's worried that I'll ruin his marriage by saying anything do you think that and this is a kind of a side issue but do you think that he feels more secure because you're married having an affair with you oh yeah he's mentioned that several Mm -hmm. times of course um yeah yeah Oh man, this guy I do not like him. Well, let's let's talk about Janine for a second. So, yeah. what are you what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, how are you yeah. feeling right now? I I mean, part of me still feels stuck like I was before because I'm still in this, but like I said another part of me feels more in control and it's definitely less intense than it was and less frequent. 
I, like I said, I don't think about him as much. So it's, you know, it's been a while and in a way I'm a little bit numb to it. Um, I still feel guilty, but I don't think the guilt is as strong. And I don't know. Do you want to stay with your husband? Yes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're sure? Yes, positive. (sighs) Then I think there's only once again one answer, you know? But this time you really have to do this if you want this marriage to work. Yeah, because, you know, because otherwise, even if it doesn't come out, which I think... It's going to come out. It always comes out. I think it does too. But even if it doesn't, then this is this horrible secret that you carry with you till you're in your 90s or at least until you get dementia. And then maybe that's the only thing you talk about because you just have dementia and that's your only memory. (laughs) And your husband's going to be like, what? What? Who's who's this guy that you keep talking about? Um, but no, but I'm serious. Then it, then it will, um, I think this is going to require more strength, um, than probably you've ever, you've ever had to have before. And it's, uh, you know, I think that you, you have to, um, and I think you have to really plot this out in your head, what exactly the conversation is, um, with him. And I think, um, and while he may be giving you like a lot of physical pressure, pleasure that your husband may not be, is that true? Is the sex a lot better? Yeah, but honestly, I, I think it's mostly, I don't think you have sex the same way with somebody who you sort of don't care about. And it's just sort of this secret, passionate thing versus the way you have sex with your husband. And I don't know. I'm, I've only been married once, so that's, I don't that's know not, if that's, that's not true, Janine. true. That's not true at all. But that's sort of how I feel right now. And um, and I, I'm happy to hear that it's not true because I don't want that to be true. But that's sort of the truth for me at the moment. Right, right. But also, um, and, I, and I know that you want to believe that you don't have um, an emotional attachment, but... I think that you do, you know, and whether that's not necessarily that you're in love with him, but you like the attention that he gives you, especially he's a popular person at work. There's probably lots of gals that are flirty with him because he clearly flirts. And and so you like any like any normal person would love loves the attention from a charming, popular coworker. Um, that's not abnormal, but. What is abnormal is 
maybe it's not abnormal, but what is inappropriate is, is you guys doing this to, and not only to your own emotional health, but to your partners and his wife and kids and, and your husband. And it, it, it's, it's, um, you know, you guys, and he clearly is careless and clearly kind of a dick. And if it's not you, it's going to be somebody else. And it's so telling that he picked a married person because he finds security in that, that you won't tell because then it's going to destroy everybody. Um, and so I, I, I think this guy is, um, and also that he didn't contact you all that. I mean, he's not, it sounds like he's not really in love with you that, um, that he's, I mean, he's not telling you that he wants to leave his wife. He, I mean, not that I would recommend anything. I wouldn't necessarily be giving other advice, you know, any different advice to any, to somebody who is saying that. But, um, I think, I think to me, Janine, I feel like you, you don't sound very happy and that, that part worries me. And, and, um, cause I think that you're, you're in a, in a rough place right now. And even it says so much that you would call us and talk to us about this. It says a lot about your character and who you are because, um, because I, I don't know if I would have that strength, um, to, to be honest with, with complete Hollywood idiots, <laughs> but, um, so it says a lot about you and I can hear that you're really torn and I can hear that this is tormenting you. And I think for your own sake, you know, once again, I, I really think that, um, I think you, you have to, cut to the cord. She has to do it. Yeah. And I think that you have to, you have to start viewing this guy, not as charming, but as a sleaze, mm -hmm. a calculated sleaze. Um, and because uh, that's that's what he is, who's incredibly selfish and narcissistic, and um, and so and while the attention and the orgasms may be really fun, and and even like the the sneaking around can be fun, it's only momentary. It's only momentary, you know, and. And then, and cause to, cause truly I don't, I, it makes me sad that you're, that you seem sad and, um, and I want you, I want you to feel really good and I want your husband to, and you to have the best of your, of your own self. And please talk to your husband about what he can do to make you feel more appreciated if he's not doing so already. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, although, it's, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh gosh, I'm sorry that you. I know I can feel how torn you are. Um, I mean, I I am, but at the same time, I also, you know, I don't know. I kind of feel like other marriages. I, I you know, other people might be going through something way worse, or maybe someone's been in these exact same shoes. Um, oh, and sure. so I I do want to be able to cut it off. I mean, that would be ideal to be able to be strong enough, not just for a week, but for months and years. And because I do want to be married to my husband until 
I have dementia, you know, like you said. So, <laughs> and I, I know that, that, that is on me. Um, I mean, it's both of us as a marriage, but for this, what we're talking about, it's, I, it's me having to be stronger and to stick to what I think is right. Yeah, I just think it's a little soul poisoning. It's one thing if, if you know, if, if you decide that you don't want to be in your marriage anymore and, um, you know, that's, that's a whole other journey. Um, if, but if she wants to work on the marriage and she wants to, if she you, wants to if be you really it. want this, then this is what you have to do and uh, you mm-hmm. have to end it. You have to, and, and please, uh, as best as you can start, start picking up on the cues that this that this guy's leaving for you like he he's instead of viewing him as charming and like like start start redefining his actions as as sleazy and um and inappropriate because you know if it's not you who knows who else i mean you know who who knows what was going on the month and a half that he was gone who knows if there's other people um, at your own office that are married, that are, that are having affairs with him. I don't know what he tells his poor wife when he's busy all the time. Um, but, um, but I think that he's, um, I think he's, he's really taking advantage of you in the situation. And I, and, you know, and I think you're letting yourself being, you you continue to put yourself in this, in this situation. And I, I think for your, for your own, heart and soul I think you can't you can't do it anymore hey Janine by the way I mean I just have to say I think that you're really brave for yeah. even coming on yes totally and sharing this incredibly yeah. personal and, information and like you said you are not alone there's that's why we got so many responses with our listeners about what was going on with you because there's a lot of people that are that are in this exact same position, you know, it, it happens all the time, but it doesn't mean that it's any less, um, serious, you know, and, and potentially, um, you know, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it can be life destroying and, um, and you know, I, I don't know if you guys are careful about emails and texts and stuff, but, you know, if you've sent each other any sexy stuff, all that stuff is really vulnerable. Um, and if his wife gets suspicious, if she isn't already, because I doubt you're the first person, you certainly won't be the last, um, that she's she probably has an inkling. You know, your husband might not because you've never done this before. But I bet that she's got you know, especially if they've been together for a while, she's got some, she's got some kind of a clue. Um, and that puts you in a really dangerous position too. Um, you don't want her storming into your workplace, screaming at you. Um, anyway, Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And please yeah, know thank, you're well, not alone. You and we <laughs> we love you. And just take care of yourself. That's that's the most important thing to us here at Unqualified, is that you take care of of your heart and and your soul. Thank you. All right, we love you. Love you too. <laughs> Bye, Janine. Bye. 
I admire her so much for calling. Yeah. That was so hard to do. I know. That was really hard. I'm sure it was really hard for her to do. I bet. Yeah. I mean, how... And she said as much, like, I wish I had... She put it all out there. Yeah. I wish I had something, you know, I wish I had... I mean, all she's doing right now is just being honest. And it's it's, it's really hard because what other advice can we give? We can't... I mean, yeah. Just that I, I hope that she starts to really view, you know, view this guy for what he is. And, and I know that she says that it's, it's physical and stuff, but also she gave some other clues that it's not, that mm-hmm. she has an emotional yeah. attachment to. And, um, and I, and, you know, maybe part of her does want it to be something else. And, um, and I don't know if she, I don't know. It, oh, ugh, it's, it's a tough one. It is. Tough it one. is. Well, we are unqualified. We are unqualified. It's <laughs> official. Not. It's definitely official now. Uh, Anna, so let's take a quick break, and okay. then we have one more call okay. after this. Before we take our next call, we should point something out. Yes. One of our own is celebrating a birthday. <laughs> um, Cassie. Cassie, get over here. Happy birthday. Happy, happy, happy birthday to you, you Cassie. Thank you all that you do. We don't have a cake, but we have a candle there. We have a half-burnt candle. Say hi to our Thanks, listeners. Guys. Everyone, hi, listeners. I'm, if you don't, I mean, of course, you, you've heard Cassie's <laughs> name a bunch. She is our segment producer. She comes up with some of the amazing deal breakers and how would you proceed and a true asset to Unqualified. And we uh, absolutely thanks, adore you and all of the work that you're doing and just wanted to thank you and say happy birthday. Happy thank birthday you. and thank you so much for it. You're indispensable. Thanks, and we guys. love you so much. I love you and I love this candle. <laughs> well, now blow it out and make a wish. Wait, we, we were supposed to sing first. Okay. Did Wait, I jump Nina, again? Nina, Nina, get, 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 you can take that mic and you can sing with us. <laughs> Sup, kids. Um, okay, my most favorite song in the whole world. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Cassie. Happy birthday to you. Cassie, rule. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Hey. Twenty-one. You've never even known. Oh, I know. You look great. Wait, Nina, are you serious? <laughs> you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I have You're no idea. We keep forgetting that Nina is really, <laughs> really <easy>. young. <laughs> I've been Thank you, for guys. Like of course. Thank you. I'm sorry we didn't have more. All right. So we're gonna. Sim, on a, do you yeah. know that Sim and I are the worst? No, we're we, terrible. We. We don't even. I, do you? I don't know your birthday. Yours is November twenty ninth. Yes. You know why I know that? Because Amy's is November twenty fifth. Ah. So I know yours is four days after. Do you know what month my birthday is? I want to say April. Close. <laughs> May. Yes, May. You, you had to mouth May to me. <laughs> <laughs> May, and then I have no idea. May twenty second. Ah, May, I'm a Gemini. I was going to go someplace in the twi- yeah. teens. Okay. So we do have another update, and yes. this is from Charlene. And Charlene was from episode seventy two, Chris Hardwick part two. So if you want to listen to that call first, that starts at the twenty seven forty three mark. So push pause on this episode. Go down to episode seventy two. Drag your thumb across to uh, 2743, <laughs> listen to that call, then push pause, then go back to this oh episode, my God. and then you can listen to the rest of the update. Oh, Lord. All right. So now we're going to call Charlene. 
And she was 29. She is 29, I should say. And she's in Las Vegas. You know, I have mixed feelings about announcing people's ages. It's important. All right. We can talk about that later. Hello. Hi, Charlene. It's Anna and Sim. Hi. Hey. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Hey, thanks for returning to us. It's brave and kind of you. <laughs> of course. My pleasure. So a lot of, so many listeners have been emailing and tweeting and they just want to know what happened. So before we get into that, tell us why we called you first. Why did you write in? Um. So, okay. Um. I had been experiencing like... I don't know. I, I guess for a period of like about 10 months, um, maybe a little bit more, somebody had been leaving uh, anonymous, anonymous notes at my desk. Um, and they were generally complimentary in nature, but I had no idea who they were. I tried the first time I left, you know, I tried to engage with them because, you know, I thought it was, you know, it was nice, um, but they never responded. And this kept going on and kept going on. And, um, it got, it seemed to get a little bit invasive, um, after a while. And so I called in to you guys just thinking like, you know, I myself didn't take it seriously initially, um, when I called and given it had been 10 months, I probably should have, <laughs> when I called you guys, um, I was like, Oh, maybe you'll think it's like a clever way for me to get rid of this person, like leaving me, the, leaving me these notes. Uh, but when I called in, um, you know, uh, uh, repeating the situation out loud um, in in the context of speaking with you guys, it kind of uh, came to be a, a little bit more of a serious situation where um, it pretty much seemed like harassment that this person was mentioning um, my boyfriend. This person mentioned seeing me around work in areas where I, you know, I still didn't know who they were, didn't know that they were watching me. Um, and, you know, obviously knew multiple things about me while I knew nothing about them and they weren't offering up any of that information. So it kind of alluded itself to being a kind of a, a situation of harassment <laughs> rather than somebody, you know, just giving me nice compliments every now and again. Yeah, and, I remember um, how weird it, it, as we dug sort of deeper into your call, how, how weird the whole situation started to seem like, like get, getting pretty creepy and yeah, just kind of, uh, men like I said, mentioning my boyfriend and just, you know, saying like, oh, you know, I, I thought that I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to keep writing you anyways, even though I know you have a boyfriend, just being very disrespectful in that light. And then just, you know, like I said, just mentioning seeing me places and just when I said it out loud, I was like, wow, I'm talking about somebody like watching me right. and me having no clue. And I was just like, it just kind of, you know, uh, with the advice that you guys are giving me, as well as me just vocalizing it, I was like, the situation's not very normal. Um, and so, you know, you guys. Uh, what did we tell you to, to do? To what HR? did we tell you? And yeah. Amy also. I, I think we freaked you out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You all very, very vehemently advised me to go to HR. Um, and that's exactly what I did. And, you know, I informed them of everything that was going on. And, um, it was, you know, it's definitely to my benefit. Um, and it, I guess more or less because, I mean, since then, <laughs> I haven't received any notes. Uh, they, they initially had me have a, 
a disclaimer uh, that HR wrote was legal to um, advise anybody that was going to harass me in any facet, not just leaving notes, would face some sort of termination. Did they send? Um, sorry, did they send out like this mass email to the company? No, and that's the other thing is I was also it was also brought to my attention that there were no security cameras on my floor, at least not in that area. Um, and so they weren't uh, they were not able to tell me who it was. I still don't know who it was. Um, oh, but man. like I said, since then they've had the disclaimer on my they had the disclaimer on my desk. And then not too shortly after, we were able to move me to a completely different uh, place within the company. Uh, and it's kind of a it's it's literally it's called the annex, so it's very kind of hidden. Like you oh, have no. to very much oh, know intentionally. No. No, 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 no. It's it's actually fine. <laughs> it's it's a nice quiet area, which is not bad at all. It's just so it's just uh, I I say annex in the way that like you really have to intentionally go down there. Like you have to work down there or be meeting with somebody down there in order to have a purpose being there. Whereas my desk before was very much so a high traffic area. So that kind of lent itself to making it easy for this person to, right. you know. Like, I hope you still feel like you're a part of the gang or whatever that you don't feel. Oh, well, I, I was initially the first person to move to that area. And then it kind of became a, a department following suit. Okay. So I was, kind of, I was kind of like the priority person to get help because they were aware, you know, that this the situation was happening and so they were like okay you first and then we'll figure out a way to like move everybody else in the department down there so it's kind of it kind of coincided with a move that was already in place and this so, so clearly it must yeah. have been a relief that they took it very seriously or maybe i don't know if not a relief but just how we ended up being like no this is fucked up they were they were probably pretty nervous too oh, i yeah. would think in HR, they were pretty, pretty darn uncomfortable about it. And they were definitely on my side and very supportive. Um, they were pretty remiss about not being able to do more, you know, um, in terms of being able to find out who the person was and things like that. I mean, at this point in time, I, I guess it feels inconsequential to know who they are to a certain extent. Like I, I wanted to for a while. I was just kind of like, you know, I, I kind of I experienced uh, a little like moment of anger and just kind of wanting to be like, yeah. you know, they I, I just felt like indignantly that they kind of needed to know that that is not a comfortable way to approach somebody, sure. you know, uh, and I guess it's kind of been like the moral <laughs> for me at the end of at the end of the day is just kind of like, you know, making sure that I watch out for myself in a situation that, you know, isn't quite uncomfortable. And, you know, just also kind of like talking about situations also to kind of gain different perspective, because it's still like, even now when I tell people the story, you know, or tell them that I was, you know, on the podcast and I spoke with you guys, I'm like kind of embarrassed. I'm like, how did I like not register this for what it was, you know? And it's so (laughs) common. I, I feel like, um, I know it's like a different, it's, it's different, but every, but every once in a while I'll get like a semi creepy fan letter and I'll kind of laugh about it and then I'll show it to mm-hmm. somebody else and they'll be like, Oh my God, this is fucked up. Yeah. I've seen some of those. Like, <laughs> They're really fucked up. Oh no. Oh, but, but you know what I mean? But it's like, I'll kind of laugh, not laugh about it, but I'll be like, Oh, huh. That's weird. And then I'll, I'll like right. show it to somebody. It, it is like the idea of getting perspective on when you're doubting yourself, is this, 
is this just mild or is this bordering on weird? Like you, you kind of have to bounce that idea off other people sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think women, especially, you know, were, uh, my mom, when I was in high school, gave me this book called The Gift of Fear, which, <laughs> oh, <great. laughs> which exactly, oh, how nice. Thank which you is ter- totally, it's terrifying. But the book, but the book has some interesting concepts it, about it's a little archaic but the idea that a lot of women are taught um sort of politeness over trusting their gut um when something is creepy and um and and so i th- i think it's great that you called and and got in perspective and hopefully like talk to your friends and your boyfriend about this stuff because i think it is in our nature to be somewhat dismissive of you know, it's easy for us to be like, well, maybe this person is just trying to give me a compliment. Uh, when really, mm-hmm. when really they're overstepping their bounds. It's and, harassment. And exactly. And making, and purposely trying to make yeah. somebody feel uncomfortable. Um, I bet this person is a magician. <laughs> like, it's a side hobby. Yeah, I, I, I seriously, totally agree find, with you. Out, find out who like the magicians are, the right. hobby magicians. If anyone is, or is moonlighting survey, is a magician. Are you a survey? Or yes like or no? whoever has a who has a sudden drone hobby. That's another. That's another, oh, that's a new. By the way, Charlene, that's a new. That's a new uh, on the list now of of people that Anna will not date. She added a new. <laughs> A new person. Yeah. It's the uh, what is it? The uh, the hobbyist who the drone hobbyist. the drone hobbyist. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I can get on board with that. The only cool thing I've ever seen a drone do is they. Ha- I've seen like photographers will like attach a camera to a drone and it will take a like a video that will zoom out from like a landscape of like a cliff on like a tropical island. Yeah, that's like that's the, the Ansel Adams of drone. drone but, of, like, <laughs> yeah, but. Exactly. But uh, yeah, that's cool. But I'm like, hmm, what do you need that for? (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, Yeah, I uh, well, I I, I'm really glad that you did what you did. And I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that it stopped. And I'm glad that it, you know, really glad that it didn't escalate. And I'm glad that you talked to people about it. Because, um, because you should not feel like you're being watched at your workplace, you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to donate or not donate, but you shouldn't have to dedicate a majority of time thinking about um, who's like, who's watching you and trying to figure that out when you've got other shit on your plate. And um, yeah. Um, but so do you, f- do you feel safe now? Do you feel completely safe? I, I, I do. And I mean, the other component of like speaking with other people about it is, you know, I was, told stories about other people who had experienced similar things and had like ignored it and unfortunately paid consequences for it because, yeah. you know, they were like, Oh, this isn't a big deal. It's whatever. And, you know, I, I honestly heard some pretty harrowing things of, you know, people, things escalating, people getting hurt and right. just, you know, I, I've had other experiences in my life where like I didn't take the opportunity to speak out for myself or think of myself in, you know, terms of, you know, other people trying to invade my space or invade my safety and, you know, or my, you know, just, yeah, well, you know, other things along those lines and like pay the consequences later, you know, totally. and so I'm just like, you know, this is another lesson that like, because somebody I just who has, need to take, yeah, somebody who has 
like that kind of predatory mentality who think can convince themselves that it's harmless, that they're somehow giving you a compliment has can convince themselves that other predatory behavior that escalates is also harmless. And that's, that's a bit, that's, that like definitely borders on, uh, you know, that's psychotic. That's like, that can be, that you know what I mean? Like somebody who can, who can convince themselves, oh, well, she wants this, she likes this, she likes the, you know, like my little flattery notes or, you know, um, that then they can convince themselves that it's okay to like follow you into the parking lot and, and follow you home and whatever. Yeah. I mean, and me not saying anything about it gives them the wherewithal to think that like, yeah, it is okay. So it's like, you know, no, you have to like set boundaries so you can make, you know, whatever changes, even if it's not me being able to confront them or, you know, HR or any other sort of authority being able to confront them, at least like me moving and not being available to them. Fuck is yeah, Charlene. Setting at least yes. that boundary, yeah, boundary you know, to say like, hey. Yeah. And I hope that your call has helped a lot of people because you stood up for yourself and you you like he won't do it again he won't do it again he took our you charlene you took our totally unqualified advice and you did something about it the next day that is so fucking rad That's awesome um it, it just sucks that he still has a job there i hate that but hate other that than that but other than that he won't do it to anyone else yeah, no, thank you guys very much because it definitely put, like I said, things into perspective for me and I, you know, snapped into action and now I'm not <laughs> getting any more like weird anonymous notes. <laughs> I will say, I don't know if this story is over yet though. You think you'll come back? You think we'll pop up I don't up know again? if it'll be to Charlene. I doubt it'll be to Charlene. I won't, I don't think so. But I think that it, this kind of person might pop up in a different way to a different person. In a different way. It might not be notes on the desk, but it might be a different kind of obsession with a new, with somebody new or like, right. I think that there's. Well, some... let me hear about it. I'm going to send them to you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm serious. Yeah. It sucks. But that's, that, yeah. but that's, that, that is, um, it seems like. It is unfortunate. On, yeah. on the page, literally, it seems harmless. But the deeper mm-hmm. psychoses of somebody like that is uh, is is c- could be. It's going to come out in a different way, mm-hmm. I think, because I don't trust people. I'm cynical about that kind of. If you, <laughs> no, I totally understand that. I mean, and that that is the one kind of unfortunate thing is not being able to know who this person is, so they can like face some sort of consequences or be like, you know, formally addressed uh, addressing this issue and how like you know, wrong and uncomfortable and inappropriate it is, you know, that is unfortunate, you know. But at least, Charlene, you can, like, keep your eyes and ears open in, like, the coffee break room or whatever if some gal mm -hmm. is, like, casually complaining about, like, oh, this is so weird, somebody left a rose on my car. You can be like, Ah, ding, 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 wait a minute, like... It could escalate from a rose to something else. Exactly. You know, at least, um, at least you could, you know, you can at least flag if that kind of behavior is happening with somebody else um, with little clues, because uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah. well, no, definitely that would, that would, it's just kind of like the snowball effect. You guys gave me that advice if I'm ever privy to anybody else experiencing something similar, especially here at, you know, in my work environment, I will be like, do not just treat that flippantly. Take it seriously. You never know. You really yeah. don't. So yeah. yeah. 
And you know what? And I and now it what's cool is that you stood up for yourself. I'm sure uh HR is you've also asserted yourself as a strong person, you know? And I and I think I think that's ultimately really important as you climb the ladder as well. Um so good for you. I'm really I'm Thank you. We're proud of you, Charlene. Yeah. I would like to <laughs> my demented mind, my demented mind would like to heat up a unrolled coat hanger and stick it up as urethra. <laughs> but that's me. Oh my that's God. Just me. That's that, just sounds, that sounds awful. That sounds like the worst type of pain I can possibly imagine. I just, it's, I don't know. Wow. It's kind of fun, right? It is quite visceral. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's quite visceral. It comes from my sick mind. I'm sure effective. Mind. I'm sure effective. Uh-huh. Charlene, um, thank you yeah, so much. thank you. And I think that you'll, of you'll, um, I'm, I'm sure that you're going to inspire and comfort a lot of our listeners. I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Um, thank you. And keep us posted if there's any more. Yes, like, let me know if you ever find out who the guy yeah. is. All right, I will let you guys know. <laughs> thanks, Charlene. Thanks, Charlene. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. I seriously. Good job, I, Anna. See, look, we're what? making a difference. I can't believe it. But I, I really think the story isn't quite over. All I right. think let's I think, see how it unfolds. Let's I don't see if it continues to I think that she's probably scared this person enough that it won't, especially because the note was from HR was yes. on her desk. Yes. But um, but I think that get, given time, this person might reveal themselves in different ways to a new coworker. And All right, let's hope that doesn't I, happen. I agree, but I agree, but I just think that I don't know the confidence of somebody leaving creepy notes like that is. You don't think that those people will get the message. You think that they'll I think resurface it'll take, I in some think other it, form. I think it's going to be a little while, but yeah, I do. Okay. Am I that? Uh, that is that pessimistic? Being, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But who cares? You know what? You're being cautious, so that's yeah. a good thing. I just think a little bit. Once a creep, always a creep. I agree with that. <laughs> once a creep, <laughs> always, always a, a creep. creep. Well, that's not true. I did stalk. Well, no. I'm, <laughs> oh I'm wait, 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 wait. What? Oh yeah, I stalked. An, what an did you ex. stalk? An ex. I told you about this in college. How did you stalk him again? I just like knew. I didn't stalk him, stalk him, but I just knew his whole class schedule. So I would, you know, accidentally bump into him but after that's class. that's not really stalking. That's just, you know, you're... Making- friendly bump-ins. <laughs> Everyone does that. Come on. Everyone has really? done that at some point. Okay. Of course. Yeah. No, I didn't like follow him out on dates or anything like that. I did no. show up at his fraternity a few times and his... Fraternity brothers had to walk me back to my dorm. <laughs> I know. I was pathetic. No. I, li- no, I was listen, pathetic. You, just want, you wanted to go after what you wanted. I Well, you know what? No, it wasn't it that. It gumption. I just thought that, I thought I, I really wasn't, I really didn't think that our relationship was really over, over. Uh, and it turns out it wasn't over, over. There, so you right. Well, yeah, he asked for me back after a few months. Probably after, I don't know, maybe he got laid a few times and then he was like, oh, yeah, I'll take that dorm rat back. And then what happened? And then I leapt into his arms after he, like I literally, he called me late one night. I had been actually out on a date with another fraternity guy, which was very exciting. Um, got back to my dorm room. It was probably about run, about midnight and uh, got the phone rang. I answered it and it was him and he said, um... I want you back. And I ran over to his dorm. I mean, to his fraternity from my dorm. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, 
I wasn't like, well, then come on over then. Uh, nope. I was like, yeah. I ran into his arms. Uh, we spent the night together. And I remember waking up the next morning. I remember this very vividly, waking up the next morning and looking at his long fingers and and listening to like his mean cackle like he was la- like he always laughed at other people he like um and i remember feeling like oh i'm not i'm i don't like this person it just hit you right there yeah and i also think like going through the humiliation mm-hmm. of being in the gut like the heartbreak broke something in me. So I didn't romanticize him. It was like being with him. I suddenly didn't romanticize him. Like for those three months that I I had obsessed about him um, and was miserable and crying all the time, it broke something in me. So then when I was, I I viewed him as ethereal. Mm -hmm. And and then when I, then actually being back with him, I was like, oh, no, he's flawed. Right. Like, and then how long did it last after? Uh, two months. And I marked a date on my calendar to break up with him. And did you break up with him on that date? Yep, I did. How did you break up with him? I went over. He got, he didn't, um, he, uh, he left his fraternity. Okay. And, uh, and I went over, he was living in, in this apartment, um, and I, I walked over there one morning and I said, I'm leaving you. And he he was very dramatic, which was one of the things I really liked about him, of course. And he he pulled open his fridge door. He pounded a beer. And then he threw like the empty aluminum can against the wall. And he said, you're going to be back here in less than two weeks begging for me. Oh, my God. And what did you say? I was like, no, I'm not. And in the back of my head, part of me was like, Shit, I guess that that option is taken now taken off the table because <laughs> my pride is already like I can't now I really can't now you absolutely cannot I I absolutely cannot so and then I left and um and then a few months later he got really dramatic with me and uh, wanted me back and and I never went back with him good for you thanks but part of you was it ego that you thought you know what I can get him back so did you want to just see for your own ego if you can get him back I probably I mean he was. He was also my high school boyfriend. Like I thought I was, he was my first love. And uh, I went to like Felicity. I went to University of Washington because of him. Mm -hmm. And then, and he broke up with me two weeks, maybe even less than into our, my freshman year. He was your Scott Speedman. He was my Scott Speedman, but we, we were actually together. I have my promise ring. Oh. Yeah, I have my promise ring. But then he didn't, he stopped answering my pages. Dear listener, that was when we had... <laughs> this really dates page, us, doesn't it? Pagers, yeah. <laughs> he stopped answering my pages, and I ran into him on campus, and I was like, what's going on? What's happening? Why Why haven't you been talking to me? And he said, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to... I'll never forget this. Oh, yeah, I've been meaning to tell you I, I want to see other people. Wow. And I was like, I was just... I was just gutted. I was like, that's how you're breaking up with me? You Like, I've been paging you for three <laughs> days, and... Like, and I went wow. over to his fraternity a couple times before he and his fraternity brothers would always block the front door and they'd be like, no, he doesn't want to talk to you. And I was just like, okay, are we not together? I have no idea what's going on. I'm truly baffled. 
Um, oh, and college it, relationships. It's, I know. This is so typical. It's <clears throat> You look back and you think, how silly was I? How ridiculous was this? But you know what? At the time, it's the most important thing in the oh, world. Oh, my God. It consumed me. It consumed me. I mean, I was, I was 17. I was, I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. was like yeah. writing poems and letters and like, why? You know what? But it probably brought out a more creative side in you. <laughs> yes. There yeah. You go. Yeah. We'll look, we'll look at it that way. Yeah. Well, then I'll tell you about the adventure, the adventures I had after that. Um, after like, I became, I don't know. I just, I spent my college years searching. We should do an episode just about your college, college years. years. We should absolutely do one full episode. We talk about all of your college years oh, and the relationships God. and the hardships and the breakups. All and- it was was just trying to find a group, trying to find whether it was the hacky sack group or the rave group or like the dorm brats and the weed or like the fraternity guys. That just are, trying like, to belong. Trying to belong. And I never did. I was like, I, I never quite got it. And um, Do you think you have it now? I don't know. I think I'm more comfortable with myself now. But I would hope so. And I'm happier. I was I was I did of course I didn't have I didn't draw people to me because I was angry. You when know? do you think you lost some of that anger? After college? Yeah. Yeah. I think probably um it was a slow it, during my 20s and moving to Hollywood and like and having a whole new group um in Hollywood if you know and 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 at getting to act and be accepted in my acting mm-hmm. community, um, that was in yeah. Well, we can dig deeper on this. Okay, another. yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I'm sure everyone's interested, but we should. Thanks, Doctor Sarna, for your time. <laughs> Today, dear podcast listeners, I have the great pleasure of introducing one of my best and dearest friends, Ari Greener. And our lives are so busy that we never get to see each other. But I am so happy that I I got her here. I haven't seen her in a long time, but every time I do, she brings me so much joy. We met making a movie called What's Your Number? And she played my little sister who's getting married, my beautiful little sister who's getting married to a very handsome guy. And it makes my character kind of insecure. And uh, we became really close during the making of that movie. We laughed a lot. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of really fun days and fun nights. Um, Probably didn't sleep a ton. I don't think it was the most restful time of my life. (laughs) 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 It's probably true. And um, I'm entering into... I was asking Sim earlier if I should even talk about this part. But entering into slightly tricky territory because Chris Evans was our lead mm-hmm. and he's so charming and so lovely. And he's one of those guys like my husband. I feel like when he pays attention to you, it really feels like the sun is shining on you. Mm-hmm. And so you and I kind of like had this really fun, like totally professional friendship with him. Mm-hmm. And we would all like make each other laugh all day long or whatever. And, um, and he's, unbelievably charming and funny and um and we were like this little trio and then my sweet husband whom I'm crazy about of course I love to pieces and I'm madly in love with him he comes to town to do a cameo 
And ruined everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, because suddenly Chris Evans and Chris Pratt are best friends. They're best friends, and then no one was being touchy <laughs> anymore because the Chris is Ari and Anna. Each other. <laughs> We're just on the outs. <laughs> what I remember is that that was the first time I got introduced to your really funny party games. That, oh, that both inspire and terrify at the same time Uh-oh. so what i remember well i remember one time being in gloucester and we were on location and it was you and me and chris and um i think and oliver jackson cohen who played my Your fiance. fiance yeah and i think so sometimes like the games that you guys play will be like um kind of role playing let's pretend games and so i Doesn't think it sound like me <laughs> i think oh it must have been a different anna sorry it was like a different movie i was remembering but um i think this one was uh, a spontaneous live action uh role play of the, of the hills but of a recreated version of the hills where we had to on the spot sort of become these other oh my God. characters. Was I just so obnoxious? Like- no, it's always the best when you do this. And my actually my favorite version of the story was one time, this was after the movie and another story, but it was Chris's birthday in New York. Do you remember this? And you guys were staying at an apartment... Yes. Yeah. Somebody who had, I think she was a documentarian yes. who had all of these awards. Uh-huh. And you decided that in honor of Chris's birthday, we should each pick an award and then walk up the stairs and fake present Chris with an award. Because she, she, she was this really acclaimed documentarian who would um, rent out her, her unbelievable apartment in the West Village to actors um, who were shooting or whatever. And she did, she had like an Emmy. She had like a, a Peabody crit- Award. A <laughs> like there was just, there was like, there was like 20 of them. And it was this really funny group and it was a small group. But I remember John Krasinski was there. Billy Crudup was there. Was Emily Blunt? No, maybe she wasn't. No, she wasn't there. But it was a small group, and and you do this, which I, like I said, it is both the most inspiring and scary thing when it happens because you and Chris are so great with the pretend world, and this is what made me think of this when we were doing this hills light game with Ollie, where you just want to throw yourself completely into the game, and also you're like, I don't know what I'm gonna. I know. I know. And so we came up and we had to present these awards to this little group. And it was maybe like of all of the jobs I've ever had in my life, it was the scariest moment for me. (laughs) (laughs) The pressure to be not from you, but on your own of being like, well, I have to uh, say something. I I think I was holding a Peabody. I don't want to (laughs) brag, but I was presenting Chris with a Peabody. And coming up, poor woman does not know that we like manhandled all her awards. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Anyway, that was that was it. But anyway, no, so, so that wait, was, we what played a lot do, of fun though? games like that. Do you that. remember what you said to Chris? I don't remember. I think I, I blocked it out because I... It you were like it felt like whatever it was probably wasn't. I like, bet it smart was hysterical. No, no, because no one is funnier than you and Chris in those I situations. Well, I love you for saying that, but I bet you were brilliant. I bet you said something like, "Oh, stop!" But like, like tell me again if you want. <laughs> I bet you said something like, "Tonight, we are so honored to present Chris Pratt with the Peabody Award mm-hmm. for all of." His Peabody accomplishments. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think probably that was like word for word speech. (laughs) But it was really fun staying in that apartment. And I I hope that poor woman doesn't, I'm sure she found lots of greasy fingerprints all over her awards. (laughs) But it was really fun to play like award acceptance and giving. And um, all I have is my Stony Award. That's pretty much. What's a Stony Award? It's from High Times Magazine. Oh. Yeah. And it's a bong. And I got it for a movie I did called Smiley Face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I am, I, I wouldn't talk about it if I wasn't so proud of it. Right. But um, but that's pretty much my award experience. Sure. And a that's couple. That's a really good one to have. I've been able to present a couple times, mm-hmm. big awards, um, and you feel the heft mm-hmm. of them in your hand. And then you give them over. And I don't feel as bad as I would have thought I would. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you know. so gracious of you. Well, (laughs) mostly I I feel like I don't necessarily. The whole award stuff confuses me so much. Yeah. I'm not a part of it. Um, When uh, I was at the Critics' Choice Awards last year, um, for mom and I was sitting next to Chuck Lorre and mom was up for best comedy or whatever and we didn't win and um, I turned to Chuck and I said I gotta tell you I don't feel any sense of disappointment because I don't know the feeling of of winning <laughs> <laughs> and he said I don't either <laughs> and it was this moment of like ha because I maybe once you start winning awards, maybe then it – I don't know. I like to think. Is this like the silver lining? Is this like – Well, how does Allison feel? Well, Allison Because she's won seven awards. Yeah. Oh, wow. She's won a ton. And um, I think that she – she's always – she's so gracious and she's always so like unbelievably honest about her – about her, you know, her gratitude and everything. But um, I do think that when I remember that moment, I looked at her and she seemed a little more upset than I was. Like um, maybe when, maybe the curse of winning is, and I don't want to, I don't know how she feels about this exactly, but maybe the curse of winning is like when you don't win, the pain becomes even 
more painful. Because there's there's an expectation level. Yeah. Whenever she's nominated, people like, assume well, that she's going to win. You said whether it's awards or anything in life, you know, low expectations or just general hopelessness is uh, better than great hope or right. expectations. Right. I feel like it, a bad scenario for me personally would to be nominated for something big mm-hmm. and then not win and then the next year not get nominated. <laughs> right. A nightmare. A nightmare. People say like it is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. And it's like, well, I don't well, know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> the last one is pretty shitty. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, it is better now to I, have loved I, I, You know what? Yeah. I'm a more human person. I feel emotions more deeply now yeah. that I have I'm so gracious for that beautiful experience. I've been rejected. Nothing nothing will ever live up to that time when I was satisfied by that. But I have asked Allison, like, so in those two months, when you get nominated, and then, and and, and she handles everything so well, but, and as much as you want to suppress the idea of like, okay, this, I need to compartmentalize. Compartmentalize. Thank you, thank you. Um, This idea that um, I... I need to, I just can't obsess about it. But then when you have people every day saying, congratulations on your nomination. What are you going to wear? Congratulations on your nomination. What are you going to wear? That's so amazing. So you can't help but have it on your mind as much as you want to. Um, Anyway, point being, I'm really lucky I've never been nominated. Well, I think (laughs) the point being, you're really lucky that you have a high times award. That feels like I do. Yeah, my stony. I am very proud. Yeah, yeah, I'm very proud of it. Wait, you also have a. I thought you had an MTV award too. Nope. Oh, only nominated. Sim. Thanks for thanks for bringing that up. Fuck you, Sim. What were you nominated for in the MTV Movie Award? Best Kiss. (gasps) Oh, that's always been a little bit of a dream. Oh, it was was the best kiss with best kiss with him. It was for Scary Movie when. I get like my art. We do this special effect where my tongue literally gets tied to my lover's tongue, and it's disgusting. And who could have beat you on that? Who won that year? Do you remember? Uh, probably something that was actually romantic. Oh. I think I can't remember. Like maybe it was the year when Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling made out. It would. I think that was the year right after. Okay. But um, but some something something, something like that, that was more romantic. Oh, I th- I, you know what it was? It was that dance movie with Julia Stiles. Oh yeah, Save the Last Dance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. So our uh, you know, oh, you know, you know, you win, you win, you win some, some, you lose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But that was a great kiss. I don't remember that kiss specifically. I don't either. Mean, but yeah. I'm assuming it was a really great kiss it for it to win. Been. Yeah. Because always the most talented kisses, <laughs> most talented uh, kisses, and the most talented people always always win, win the especially awards. the MTV Movie Awards. That's right, right. Yeah. Ari. The challenge during this podcast at at the perfect moment, mm-hmm. I definitely need you to tell Sim to fuck off. Even okay. if I'm not wait, wait. saying anything, well, like, what if I just, it, it just shut up the entire just, time? I'll figure, You'll I'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's yeah, your, that's your challenge you for the next <laughs> I'll hour. I'll find the right time to <laughs> okay. tell you to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I love Sim. He's, you know, he's as everyone, all the listeners know, he's one of our best friends. Um, but Ari, okay, so wait, I do want to talk a little bit about the movie we met on, yes. which was called What's Your Number? Because I think that they, um, that we skirted some, we touched on some really... Um, uh, uh, some some poignant issues 
that I think that we're all as a society trying to get past. Mm -hmm. But the idea of our men concerned about how many people we've slept with. Right. Do you, have you ever been asked that? I don't know that I've ever been asked that directly. But I think it is a funny thing with, and I think this is a, a, a man and women thing where you, like I felt this with, with men in the past before where in the beginning of something, you can be really attracted to the fact that it's, that either you know or it seems like they've had sex with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then there's a certain point in the relationship where then that fact turns. Like there's been people at first where I'm like, yeah, they're so sexy and they've been with all these people and that's attractive. And then you you get however many months or you're in and then suddenly you hate that fact about them. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, I do think the flip side though, have you ever – so you haven't really been asked like how I mean I think it's come up before probably but um without getting overly specific it's not it's it's you know I feel like it's an appropriate I mean this is this is also interesting but I feel like it's an appropriate number ish for being a woman of my age who spent both a lot of but times see, in relationships there shouldn't and be uh, there an shouldn't appro- be an appropriate number right you're right so I just yeah Right. But I but I, I want to tell I guess you, I just mean appropriate as in it's not one that elicits a great response either way. Like it's not like, oh, you've only slept with two people. That's surprising. Or, oh, you've slept with 400 guys. That's a lot of people. Right. You know, like it's, you know. Um, because so when I first started dating Chris – I did that really dumb thing that I'm so I'm 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 embarrassed of, but because and my parents, by the way, are upstairs taking a nap. Perfect, perfect. And um, <laughs> but but they always wanted me to remain a virgin until I was married, which is why I think that they had me in headgear for so long. Would they say that to you growing up? Like, was that something in your family that was sort of commonly yeah. known? Like, you should wait until you're married yeah. to have sex. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and for not being a very religious family, it was always confusing to me mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, and there were, so of course there's, and also my mom, um, loved to discipline through guilt. Sure. Which I'm um, Jewish. So I know all about that. Yeah. I'm, and my mom, we, we can get to this later, but okay. I, I have some, some suspicions about our family heritage. Oh, I mean, just very much like, like could not adore us more. We were the most brilliant children, my brother and I, that ever walked the earth. At the same time, uh, guilt, 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 guilt. Uh huh. So anyway, okay, we can link into that <laughs> later on. Okay, great. And maybe I'll bring them down after they take their nap. Oh, fun! Get them involved. I love it. Yeah, guilt is such a funny. It's such a funny construct. And yeah, yeah, it runs rampant everywhere. I'm always fascinated by people who say they don't really experience guilt because I feel guilt all the time about everything. Is that the definition of a psychopath? I don't know. (laughs) But it seems like if you don't feel guilt, then there's something wrong, right? But like I'll feel guilt about nothing. Like it only just recently turned where if I even saw like a friend calling me, every time the phone rang, I'd be like, oh my God, I've done something wrong. What'd I do? Even though it was like just somebody calling to say hi. 
that's deeply rooted guilt, but I'm working on it. So I'm not talking. But I got to tell you though, we have a lot in common in that way for sure. And I've, it's not ever because I've even done anything wrong, but it's like, I don't know where that, that's what I think is so fascinating about guilt. Like where, why? It's such a specific kind of narcissism that I feel. Yeah, that's true. I feel very deeply for sure. Um, and, but anyway, so when Chris and I first started dating, I was, um, 30 Mm -hmm. and I would bring it up like, Haha, can you believe it? My <laughs> my numbers are low. <laughs> and he would look at me like, why the fuck would I care? Which was so wonderful and kind of the theme of the of, of the movie that we yeah. did. Like but, I don't know anyone that has cared. Yeah. Any guy that's scared? No, that that has cared. Sim and I were talking about this earlier. Sim, can we get open with this? Sure. Okay, so Sim <laughs> Absolutely. does care. Wait, what? I never said that. You know what, Sim? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, boom. I, I boom, never boom. I never said I care. I just think that I do believe that there is this incredible, incredible double standard here where if you're gonna if you're gonna if I'm gonna do some quick math, let's just say a woman started having sex at 18. Okay. Mm-hmm. And by the time she's 30, let's just say she had sex um with two different partners a year until the time she is 30, you're looking at, that's 12 years times two, you're looking at 24 partners mm-hmm. at the age of 30 for a woman. Right. Um, I know to some guys that may seem like it's a lot, but that's only one guy every six months. I'm not, I'm not counting like long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm just speaking strictly as an average here. But I just do know that for some guys, 24 guys is a lot, whereas 24 girls for men is doesn't nothing. seem like a huge number at all. Yeah. So well, there is that double standard. Well, yes. And and also we uh, live in this, in the LA like eh, world where there's, because lots of people are breaking up with each other all the time because we're used to instability and we find comfort in instability or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of, it's a little bit different um, as in other parts of the country. What I really think men are worried about when a woman has a high number or what they perceive as a high number Mm -hmm. is um, a better lover. And it's one of the very few powers we have as women is that a guy is afraid that somebody had um, a, you know, bigger anatomy. Mm -hmm. I feel like my parents are in the kitchen, so I can't use the word. (laughs) Sure. Dick. (laughs) Yeah. Cock. Cock. (laughs) <laughs> but um but I think that that is that's like one of the very few kernels of power that we have as women is that men are insecure about previous lovers um being somehow better. Well, I think part of it is an age thing too where I think when you're younger uh, and I don't know. I I don't know if I move past this or not. We'll see, you know, next go around relationship I'm in or something, but when you're younger I think there's a sense of uh, security by knowing everything. I, I feel like I used to want to know everything about a person's past that I was with because it made me somehow, somehow mm-hmm. be closer to them or have a sense of, oh, if I know I'm sort of a part of it or I'm in on it or the ways when you're young too, it's not always the worst thing to feel. I mean, this is so terrible to admit, but I think this is true where sometimes you like making someone feel a little bit insecure because it helps your position. You know, these are sort of like right. the 
the immature things we do in relationships. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully as we get older and I, and I think what I've learned and I hope to integrate is that, oh, I actually don't want to know everything. It actually doesn't yes. matter. It yes. actually is only going to get in my head. I don't want to know. I don't care. We've now, you know, I'm in my early 30s. Whoever I'm going to, whoever I'm with, they're at least in their early 30s, if not older. It means that luckily it, any person that you would be with would be somebody who's lived a full life. And that includes mm-hmm. sex with people. Hopefully, and, so right. you have, a, you know. And it's also like, how do we... Um, there's a good strategy in not revealing insecurity. And it, as we were ta- like we were talking a little yeah. bit earlier before we started recording about the idea of our partner being our best friend. And while we want that of course to be true, we also need things from other people and you don't necessarily have to open up your whole self. Uh, to right. your partner and maybe it's okay to be a little bit like I want to make you feel good in this moment um, I want to like laugh you know what I mean like well, I, I think I, there's a difference between being honest with how you feel about something and then sharing every thought that goes through your mind and I was saying this to you guys before that uh, a while ago I was I was you know dealing with some relationship stuff and I had a friend's mom who's Russian, just say something I love. Oh, yes, this is so good. So great. And I was, you know, just uh, talking about, you know, all these things that I was sharing and blah, 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 and what was going on. And she said, a partner is someone that you go to the movies with and you have a good time with and Maybe if you break your leg, they drive you to the hospital, but they are not your best friend and they are not your therapist. And I was like, yeah, but, but love, no, but love means that you share all of yourself and, and we can only love each other if he sees all the parts of me and he has to see the worst parts of me and I have to see the worst parts of him for us to love each other and that's what intimacy is and why 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 that intimacy you know like that part of yourself why you want him to like it (laughs) and it's true it's so wise I don't know if I'll be able to follow it with that closely but I do think there's something interesting in in not sharing everything. everything. Totally. And and that's yeah. what uh, that's what that's the purpose of friends. And some friends give me different things and and in my life that Chris can't give me and other friends give me other things and I hope that I give them other things. And I think that we've had this like mentality in the last decade where like your husband needs to be your best friend. And while, and I just think that's too simplistic of an idea. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, they because need- it's not just your best friend. It's like they have to be your best friend, and they have to be the greatest lover you've ever had, and they mm-hmm. have to be this and right. You know. And there's a reason why I, I, I think I learned after like my previous relationship that my own curiosity is a really poisonous thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know 
Chris's passwords. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't like look through his. I, I and and I feel and not that I feel like he has anything to hide from me or anything. <clears throat> I just feel like if you want to find something, then you're going to find it. Mm-hmm. And I and I take comfort in that now. Just being like, nope, don't be curious. Trust that, like, take him for his word. Yeah. Trust that and don't be suspicious. And I have a kind of an embarrassing story that relates to this. So we were in Baton Rouge. We went to a party um, with some of his castmates. And uh, the next morning, um, uh, we got into the car to go to Starbucks. And there was a, there was a, like a napkin with a phone number. It was like Jennifer, like blah, 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 like whatever the phone number was. And I was like, oh my God. Someone was like giving Chris her phone number. And um, I said, baby, I really, I don't want to bring this up, but um, I found this. And I don't really kind of, it's been troubling me. And he said, honey, that was the girl that you met last night. <laughs> and she wanted to hang out, and she gave you her number. You do love to pick up new friends wherever you go. That's, That's true. true. That's completely true. If anything, Anna solicited that number. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah, I was really embarrassed. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, of course I remember. Oh, of course. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, your best friend, your yeah. new best friend, Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> What a jerk I was. Yeah. No, the snooping thing, um, yeah, no good. No good. But I also think even in a way, and this is what makes me feel, not to sound like a 100-year-old a, a person, but it's also the bummer about social media and just internet stuff now too, which is like there's so many places to go deep diving <clears throat> to try to find information either – about somebody that you've just met or mm-hmm. somebody you're with or an ex, it really, I think, takes a lot of discipline to try to, you know, if it's a new person, say, I'm just going to try to learn about this person from what I'm actually experiencing with them and not all the information I could find about them online or asking a million people oh about them or, you know, not doing crazy searches on them after. I mean, and it's it's impossible. And I think a lot of people sort of go in waves with it. But I think it is a new kind of discipline that people have to try to instigate uh, And are now. you good exactly. about it? Are Like, are you good about, like, not researching? Well, the problem is if if there's any name that, like, passes through my mind, however uh, brief that interest or curiosity might be, I just have to make sure – I mean, I, I talk to my mom all the time. We're very close. But I know if I tell her any name, she goes to the ends of the internet to find out everything <laughs> about that person sort of on my behalf. But um, I I go I go back and forth. You know, I feel like there's been times throughout my life where I've been really good about not – uh, like getting really into it. And then there are other times where it's, you know, your curiosity right. gets the better of you. I think I finally years ago, probably a while ago, maybe seven, eight years ago, I put to bed the like personal diving. Like mm-hmm. I really feel 100% confident 
that I'm done with any kind of there's no personal snooping. And it never was crazy. But I just remember once like being with an ex and being alone in a house once and like finding old photo albums or, you know, sort of seeing that stuff. Like I never checked anybody's email or any of that. But I just think all of it's such a slippery slope. Like if you if you look over and check a text once, then you're you're you can be down oh, yes. the rabbit hole. Yeah. So I really have a hard no yeah. on any of that stuff. I remember I was at um uh I was at a birthday party and my friend sort of cajoled me into um licking this I hope my mom is not in the kitchen. What a great sentence. <laughs> Wherever this is going. But she sort of cajoled me into like licking this um pop this like lollipop that was shaped as a penis. Mm-hmm. And I started play, like, playing around with it, and she was taking pictures at me, and um, and that is so not me. I am well. Uh, if I had a nickel for every time you had a penis shape, <laughs> something you were licking. And, no, I'm just kidding. No, that's not but she sent me the photos the next day, and I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, who is who's who's that? And and but but point being, like if that photo was a representation of me I would want to be like no 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 sure I I enjoy male anatomy I'm not great at attending to it but you know so I I do think that like at like you take a singular image of somebody and it's easy to judge maybe who they are or whatever especially if like we post stuff on social media and it's it's not quite fair it hasn't mm-hmm. we haven't quite perfected mm-hmm. that area yet yeah yeah because it's too i mean it's part of the reason i'm not on instagram I'm, i think somebody has a fake account of mine that is pretty convincing that a lot of people have said that they Can follow I, and i'm not i'm gonna look it up yeah <laughs> I, ha- I i do have some private account that i haven't been on in years but it, uh, there's some public account that is not me but Part of the reason that I'm not on it is is just more about my own negative tendencies of knowing that how much I could, A, fall down the rabbit hole of just like searching people's feeds and being like, oh God, like look at how beautiful like their life is and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Or being too aware of what I could post within and of my own life, either of thinking about my life in terms of what a post could be or thinking about a sort of projected sense of who I am. And and all of this is just because I'm a massive overthinker about everything. So it's better yeah. to just sort of take myself out of the game. But because I know for some people it's no big deal, but there is a way you you curate how you want to be seen and or, you know, other people you can put on all this other stuff about him, about the, him, and, about them. <laughs> that can is you, not- do you want to wrap up the I just the concept of are men concerned with the amount of women that they've slept with? I personally would never ask that question because I know, I'm, but I'm, I'm but in the Ari camp. Wanna, I just would don't you want, want to, to know. No, I do not want to know because it'll just get my mind wandering. Like not about the number per se, but like, but who are these guys before me? What did they do differently? What, what kind did of they, guy you know, I just, threatens you most? That's a really Ooh, good question. That's a good that's question. A really good question. I would say someone, and this is just be me being completely honest right now, someone that is better looking, smarter, more successful. Okay. Has a lot going on for them. There's no one 
that fills no that one category. Fills that. You're enough. <laughs> Thank you. It's true. You're, uh, our listeners do not know how handsome Sim is. No, no. Because he's really self deprecating, but he is that's incredibly not true. handsome. Our listeners, you, you're it's being true. way too kind. And our listeners know how sweet and how nice you are. No. And how complimentary you are. But I do, the the one power I do feel like as women that we have is that we don't get the pressure of, um, I don't think that guys, like, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Sim, but the one advantage that we have, I think, is that men are, tend to be a little bit more insecure about um, being, like, good lovers. You know what? I had those concerns Maybe when I was in my twenties, I don't have those concerns anymore. Okay. Not not because like I feel like oh I'm a master now and I've I've all the experience. It's just that I feel like the girls that I would be dating now, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be at, it wouldn't be on top of their lists at this point. Well, I think you're right. I'm glad that you found that wisdom, but I do think that a lot of guys are concerned about size, and it like hangs like. <laughs> but but I I do think that do, am I wrong? Well, I mean like, I don't. I mean, I mean if I if I was you know hung down to my knees and I and I was and I was terrible at sex, it, then it wouldn't really make a difference, would it? Are you asking us as women? It wouldn't make a difference because if I if I wasn't great in bed, but yet I had a huge penis. D word, yeah. You know. What? Yeah, I w- I gotta tell you, Sim. I don't. I'm not drawn to that. I don't down think I, knees, I, I. That seems like you should be much. at the county fair. I'm exaggerating with down to my knees, but, when I'm, but, you, but you know what I mean. Fifty cents to see Sim Sarno. <laughs> I mean, but I do think all of this stuff is age. Is age yeah. stuff because once you get to a certain point, exactly, you know. I think as a woman, I think you probably know as a man, everybody knows it's 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 not what you got, it's how you use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that only comes from but a true sense of comfort within yourself. It's exactly. true. It's true. And I but I do think that um I th- I think that we all have our individual physical hang-ups and um and I do think that men have uh, some issues with uh, like the idea of the woman that they've fallen in love with potentially having sex with somebody who was had was really endowed mm-hmm. and yeah. well it's probably an easy place to put that insecurity too like it's it's an easy one thing to point to you know like women's insecurities I think tend to be sort of um, or something like that, like the reverse concern is sort of like more global. It's more about like a whole person, a yeah. whole package, a whole yeah. sense of passion, a yeah. whole thing. Sorry, right. she was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whereas guys are like, I'm sorry, you have a big dick. Right. <laughs> 